Today's episode of Tax Season is sponsored by Bevel. It's time we talked about those razor bumps, the nasty ingrown hairs all over your face and chin and neck. All because you didn't want to take the time out to properly take care of your skin. Stop being disrespectful to yourself. Tell your mother, tell your aunt, tell your grandfather, your father that you just want to give back and you want to have a respectable skin when you come outside. You let the razor game play you when you could have been on top it with the bevel razor in your life. Bevel is the first and only shaving system designed for coarse, curly hair and sensitive skin. It helps you. It keeps your skin smooth and your hand check. It's about to be too hot in New York and to keep up with these beds. So how about you take care of that with a bevel razor? Please be respectful to your skin, beloved. Get the first month of your Bevel subscription for free by going to GetBevel.com and entering promo code TAXSTONE at the checkout. Start shaving smarter with Bevel. Now let's start the show. Hold on, hold on. Say hello to the bad guy. Motherfucking tax season. West Coast edition. We out here and we mobbing. These niggas is giving me marvelous weed and it is destroying my motherfucking life. Every night, my nights end early. I'm thinking I'm going out, and I don't go out. I end up under a duvet and great air conditioner, but I'm cool with that. You understand? We motherfucking here right now with Ben Baller, and we here with Miko Grimes is my co-host today. And we and we motherfucking getting busy. And I just found out that this nigga Ben Baller be slandering LeBron James. Man, LeBron is garbage, bro. <laughs> so disrespectful. Oh, Have you man. ever commanded a boxing one or a double team in, on the basketball court? Man, first of all. There's a question there. Let me tell you something. <laughs> there was a question mark. Did y'all hear the question I'm not, mark? I'm not on that level of, of, oh, okay. of that, but let me say something real oh, okay, quick cool. that people don't know. Mm-hmm. I did get a scholarship for playing basketball in college. Meaning Ooh. what? So Meaning? I was, I was the first Asian. You know American. how many people get a scholarship in college and you never hear their name ever again? And then they call somebody like LeBron, who's arguably the best basketball player we've ever seen. Garbage. He's not arguably anymore, though. He's yeah. not arguably no. anymore. Oh, skill no, for skill, pound for pound. You can't yes, go to the final seven times and lose five times. Yes, you can. No, you can't. Yes, you it, can. it happens. At least he's yes, playing you can. for championships. Niggas There's guys who've never day. seen championships. There's niggas that can't go six times in a row Don't matter. ever. I'm from ever. LA, man. I'm from LA. And me too. <laughs> me too. Kobe. Kobe, what? When? Kobe won five championships with Shaquille O'Neal and Pau Gasol as right. his Robin. Tell me a player that LeBron James has had that's that good as his Robin since he's been in the league outside of Dwayne Wade. Go. Girl, I'm going to have to show mm. you a Go. Dwayne, no. Dwayne Wade will destroy any fucking Pau Gasol. Okay. I can't say that okay. about Shaq. So there was two championships mm. there. So when else has he had a Robin like Kobe? He has Kevin Love and he has fucking Kyrie nope. Irving and really? Are, you really just compare them to Shaq? I'm telling you. <laughs> you just compare them to Shaq? Do you realize Shaq has picked, I mean, LeBron has picked every single one of his coaches and his teammates. Who? And then gives people are saying, fuck. oh, he don't has help. The East is fucking the easiest conference in the, in its, it's If a the joke. East is so easy, how come nobody else got there six times in a row? Because they're not LeBron James. No, That's why. easy because there's no competition. Yep. There's, but there's no other LeBron James. No LeBron you, James. you can't help if, where you go. If you can't help where you go. If Cleveland was in the West Coast. Mm-hmm. If, if have, was a fifth, I mean, my nigga. They make it to the finals. If if was a fifth, I would so be drinking So we making water. this an East Coast, West Coast thing? Yeah, I don't know what it is. But <laughs> I, what, I, won't, hey, listen, what I won't allow is any LeBron slander while I'm in the building. I'm 44, so you know I was around all of I'm that shit. I'm 41 mm-hmm. in two I weeks, so I was around all of it with you, my you nigga. Was, <laughs> Thank you. you. Was, you 41 was, from Inglewood, California. Let's get it. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out to my man, Damani, though. He's from Inglewood. <laughs> oh, shit, man. Yo, talk about growing up um, with immigrant parents. Um, 
You know what's so crazy, man, because uh, it doesn't come up until now. I thought about it then, but it just it just was what, what, what it was. You know, mm-hmm. I lived in the hood and whatever, and um, the hood now is nice. There's $2 million condos in my neighborhood now. You know, what Talk it is. about and it. So, you know, um, it's so fucking weird how um, I don't look at it like it, conspiracy, nothing, but we was in the south part of my hood. Mm-hmm. And the South always seems to be the bad part, right? Which hood are you from exactly? I'm from Koreatown, from K-Town. Oh, from Koreatown. So K-Town had been spread apart so big. When I was living there, it was only Mexican and black hood. So it was Bloods down the street, and it was five different huge gangs, one of them being the largest gang on the earth, not just America, the earth. And that's MS-13, Mara Salvatucha 13. Shout out to all my MS-13s. And then 18th Street was also down. Then there was like three other small hoods. So there's just a battleground right at, at the park one block away from mm-hmm. my house. So that's where I grew up in. And there's no Koreans. I'm breakdancing, you know, at 12 years old. This is in the early 80s. I'm breakdancing. I'm listening to Earth, Wind, and Fire in the late 70s. Listen to Parliament, shit like that. Mm-hmm. People wasn't in the funk, R&B, soul back then, rap. It wasn't even really exist. It didn't exist. I met Ice-T at the Radiotron, which was a world-famous nightclub. For kind of all ages, we did our breakdance battles and everything there. Yeah. And, um, you know, he kind of took me under, but, you know, Ice was doing his own thing. But uh, that was like a big inspiration for him. He became kind of like a godfather for me. So being in that area, it was just gangs. Um, You know, it was, it, was a, it was a dope era. You know, it was really like you couldn't wear blue in the area or whatever. And I kind of grew up around Crips all my life. So it was a blood neighborhood. So it was really weird going, taking the bus going through the same hood and was like man fuck man I gotta you know and then at a certain point you can't even wear white, black anymore because it was like the neutral shit he like you gotta choose a side you know exactly what the fuck I'm talking about because we didn't been through this so growing up I got a mom who works in a factory sewing dresses and then I got my dad who's a teacher at UCLA and people were like oh man dad's a teacher he's smart he's rich no yeah <laughs> I mean let me let me put it in perspective he made $23,000 a year as a professor but the thing is, and he had an office, but if you really want to get down to it, there was motherfuckers at the grocery store. Like, if there was that in a union or something, there was dudes at Ralph's. I mean, I don't even know. I'm, I'm trying to, But there was dudes at grocery stores that's making more money than my father was. Yeah. You know, if we was doing well, we wouldn't have been around that shit. My parents would have been, man, fuck out of here. You know what I mean? And, like, of course, there was so much racial tension between my between Koreans and blacks and everything going on. This is even way before the Ice Cube Black Korea shit and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't pay attention to any of it. Obviously, I was aware of the fact that I was the only person that was yellow or of anything that wasn't black, period, in the area because not many... I mean, the Mexicans listened to hip-hop, but it wasn't like... They wasn't breakdancing with us as much. Yeah. There was, like, the very few Puerto Ricans that was out here, they was breakdancing, you know what I mean? But I feel like they all had cousins in New York and they had that New York, you know, the root. It was different. But um, so I always was the only Asian wherever I was. Mm-hmm. So my interests were different than the average Korean person that was out trying to go and study an extra thing or learn a different language or whatever the fuck it was. And I could be super stereotypical, and um, but I won't. So you know, growing up there, that was uh, that was what it was, and and, and I love it. Um, so you think you was the best break dancer? That's what you think? No, I was all right. <laughs> I was all right though, man. I was, skills. I was, I was cool. I was definitely cool. You, you know, was in a break dancer movie, right? I won. Um, well. I did, I, I did. I did. I uh, did. I did break and we did extra because that was Ice T's shit. He hooked me up. Yeah. And then, um, um, it's crazy because at the time Ice T's DJ for breaking was Krista Glove Taylor, 
And then many years later, when I became head of NR Aftermath Entertainment, Chris the Glove was one of our main producers, our head producers. Mm-hmm. He was one of the dudes that produced Chin and Juice at Death Row. But I'm just saying, we are reconnected after all that time. I mean, there's so many different fucking stories, dog, we can go about when it comes to uh, growing up in L.A. But um, the other day, and just crazy I'm on this, because this just happened, obviously, in the last less than 24 hours. Yeah. Um, some dude left me a comment, and I don't really read too many, because some pictures I might have 40 comments, some pictures I have 15,000 comments, mm-hmm. depending on what it is. But the most part, there's so many. You know, I get a lot of likes. Like, so I don't look at it, whatever. And most of it's like so you, you think you're better than you, us. No, not at all. He is. That's you what chink. it is. He actually is. Ben, you think you're better than he us? He thinks no. so, and he is. <laughs> They're like, you chink, you gook. Niggas you know. with 15,000 likes be acting real funny, man. <laughs> not me, man. That shit don't mean nothing. I'm just saying. <laughs> someone left a comment, and he said, you didn't come a long way from the dog fights in the backyard at Kingsley. Oh. Now, when I did Breakfast Club, and I've done some other things. I've talked about my hood. I've talked about where I grew up. I talk about the street. It's tatted on me. And um, never once have I ever mentioned dog fights because two things. One, my wife is an animal activist. She's a vegetarian. She deletes a lot of my rate by any kind of like bad tweets, stereotypical. Mm-hmm. Con- con- she's just like from a proper person. And I'm a bad person. I'm a piece of shit. So mm-hmm. she don't like that whole behavior. Likewise. So when I saw the comment, I said... You know, that was 30 years ago, if not even more. I'm like, who the fuck is he this? He had to be there. This really had to be there. <laughs> yeah, the nigga was in the so, building. So he's in his 40s. So I direct messaged him, and I don't DM anybody. So I, DM, I was like, yo, who are you? Because I went to his page, and his page was a bunch of memes. And I was like, thank God I wasn't even private. At least I could go see who the fuck. Mm-hmm. And it was just like a bunch of, like, like mostly heavily, like, Latino gangsters, you know, shit. Like American meme memes, like, hey man, they said you was this, blah, blah, whatever. And so I said, hey man, I have to know you. And he said, motherfucker, of course we know each other. We lived across the street from each other and we talked every day. I remember when them 20 dudes was trying to jump you. And um, when the dude pulled out the knife, you got on the bike and took off. And then the other homie, um, he didn't know what to do. So they ended up jumping him. And I was like, listen, bro, you know, <laughs> I'm going to keep it real with you. You know, it's 20 Matasavatuchas. And I wasn't about to get my bike taken. All he had to do was follow me, and we was going to be good. And <laughs> he, he didn't. He tripped. And then he goes. He tripped. We went back to explain the story. Like, see, I it said, wasn't like that. And I said, whatever happened to that? And he said, I ended up beating the shit out of dude because he told me that they pulled out all this, that, and the third. And I was like, man, bro. He was like, why don't you just get on the bike and go? Oh, so like, that was him? It was his bike. All right. And then his boy had the bike. Anyway, so we was talking about shit. And it was funny. He said, um, the other day. I was somewhere at the tattoo shop, and these gangsters came in there, and your name came up. Mm. And I was like, you know, I hate the fact that my name is, people talk about my name in jail. Like, oh, when I get out of jail, I'm going to get chained from Ben Baller or whatever. And he said there was a tattoo shop. It was like, yo, man, yeah, I was seeing that motherfucker in his Rolls Royce the other day, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, Ben is from my hood. And mm. believe it or not, Ben was with the shits back in the day, you know? Like, mm-hmm. he ran with us, and you know, would never think that. And you guys say all that, but the thing is, Ben was talking about all those cars back then. It's just that he was broke and he had no money then. Mm-hmm. But now that he has it, people think it's a different person. Yeah. And every time, the first day I got my Ferrari in 04, the end of 04, I drove right back to the hood and let the homies drive the car. Because I was like, man, I made it out here doing this, man. I live in Beverly Hills. Yeah. You could do this shit now. You feel me? So um, every time something goes bad, I get in an argument with my wife or something, whatever, I always go back to my hood and just kind of, but a lot of it has changed. So I don't recognize, my building is still there, but everyone else's building is kind of torn down. So I'm like, 
you know, I just go over there and just think, like, damn, man, you know, mm-hmm. shit's still kind of fucked up. But going back to the um, the gentrification, it was a lot of black cats across the street south of Olympic, and then it was more of, like, eh, it was, like, more Mexican black, but then it was started getting Asian, and it started getting more Asian, and they keep pushing them more south and more <laughs> south, and it was kind of funny. And then you get a little more south, then you end up in, you know, there was like the 20s neighborhood and then there's black P-Stones and then it gets a little further. Then you go a little further, then you get back in the Crip shit. Then you go, then you end up back in the Van Ness Gabe neighborhood. It was just so many different territories. So you had to know that going around there. And um, I'm thankful we didn't go any more further south because I feel like, you know, I was already in a in a situation where I was not much diversity. And so I never embraced my heritage or what my parents did. Going back to the original statement of why I'm talking about this, being immigrant parents, and when I did find out my mom came in here with $200, why the fuck, how did she come here with $200 when it's black folks or, or Panamanians or Puerto Ricans or whatever coming here with maybe maybe $5,000? I know it's different times now. Yeah. But let's say $200 back then is maybe 10 Gs now. Even 10 Gs now, I don't know if you could really just start a life again here. I, don't, I mean, people do it, but my Not mom. this L.A. Yeah, you know, I got, I got three <laughs> yeah, brothers and sisters, changed. you know, and shit has changed. They did it. And my dad was like, man, just stay in school. And all the shit he tried to preach, my dad was also a part-time minister, so he was always preaching that bullshit on me, and I was never about that. It was like, I'm more of a spiritual person. I never really believed in one thing. I kind of like, I, I studied a little bit about it, everything. But going for, getting, it was like a lot of stuff that was pressed against me, and he thought I was angry, and also thought it was because of rap music and whatever else. And I, people hit me up loud. My, my wife's like, you realize that. Uh, rap music is very sexist. And I was like, man, shut the fuck up. You know, and then she's like, see how you talk? And I'm like, it's not, I'm just. Is your wife Asian? She's a, she's a, a French, Spanish, Filipino. She's mixed. So Okay. So. um, Tap that nigga. Yo, Vok, take some pictures for me. Okay. I forgot I ain't taking no pictures. Take some so, pictures for me and shit. Good going look. on to it, I didn't know until recently, like in the last 10 years. I'm still, I'm old. So that <laughs> my dad went to jail because he couldn't afford to pay a speeding ticket. Damn. And I was like, what? Where was I? And he goes, well, you were one years old, so why would you know? Mm-hmm. And I was like, how long was he there for? It's like, oh, he was, in, he was in county jail for five days. And I was like, my dad? You're talking about the biggest square on earth. You know what I mean? He's like straight up. He's crazy. Like, he used to whoop my ass bad. But mm-hmm. to see him, my dad wore a suit every day. Not a great suit, not a nice suit, but he wore a cheap suit. every. You know, so it's like to see him in jail is fucking crazy, right? And um, there would, you know, we before I was born, I guess my brother and sister told me, I'm the youngest in the family, they told me how broke we were and how bad it was. So I think about the immigrant shit. I'm like, man, listen, if my mom did this shit and she was able to help us out. And she ended up doing really well. My mom ended up being like upper middle class by the time I was in like high school. Yeah. Um. So she got busy with that 200. Yeah. So, you know, huh. I, felt like, I felt like my dad was more about the education. My mom was too because she was following my dad's lead. But then around 12, it went all bad. At 12, you know. Throughout the time, I felt like things were okay. My dad was whooping my mom's ass every day. Mm. And that's kind of like just some Korean shit. I know that sounds fucked up Sound and all the like Korean people black I know. Shit too. I didn't really Yeah, right. <laughs> I didn't really embrace my heritage because again, I was in the hip hop, I was in the basketball, I was in the breakdancing. That wasn't nothing like, you know. At um twelve, my mom finally left my dad. She's like, I just can't take any more ass whoopings, you know what I'm saying? And she left. So when she left, she just took off. She didn't not not love me. She won custody. She could have taken me and had my brother and sister already outgrown. Um, I was kind of fucked up because I felt like, damn, I don't know what to do. So my dad had to move, so we went into a one-bedroom now. 
We was in a 600 square foot one bedroom. And you know, everyone has their bad stories. So when I tell them, my boy, like, man, motherfucker, we had like 15 people in like a 400 square foot place, blah, blah. It was fucked up for me because I was like to have my own room or whatever. So, you know, that was that. And um, I got into DJing. And that was really when hip hop became not necessarily a career, but that's what sparked it. So you started it. DJing in your teens? At 12 years old, me and this, this dude named Rob One, legend in hip hop, RIP Rob One, rest in peace. Rob One was, um, he worked in the music business as well. He worked at Gangstar Records, worked mm-hmm. um, D'Angelo Records, a lot, a lot of shit early on in the 90s. He died of cancer. Um, and he was a pioneer hip-hop out here. Him and Bigger B, rest in peace, Bigger B. And um, Rob taught me how to DJ. He also taught this other cat named Lethal, um, kind of put the turntables in Lethal's hand. Lethal ended up starting a group called House of Pain in hip-hop, and then he did Limp Bizkit. And Lethal's, you know, two huge brands, sold 20, 30 million records. But um, I started DJing, and I just didn't want I ran away from home. I started fucking up in school. But I always find time to play basketball and certain shit. And I end up making it work because of sports, but... Most of the Asians in my school were straight-A students, mm-hmm. and it was a stereotypical shit that yes. was right. So, you know, when I thought about, um, you know, I never looked at it like I was going to make money off it. I just always knew I wanted to be somewhere in music. And uh, later on, you know, um, I mean, I met a lot of people. I met Dr. Dre. I met um, Pac. I met, I met uh, Denzel Washington. Wait, this got to be late on. When did you start playing football? Start playing football. An Asian playing football? When this I played, is what fucked me up. Wow. Yeah. So I started playing football Sick. when I was uh, 14, and um, I was late to Pop Warner. I was late in that thing. So there was a, there was a league that was doing flag, and I, I fuck around with the Nerf ball when I was a little kid, you know, when I was like 7, 8, 9, whatever. And this is when Nerf was started. I don't know if Nerf's still around now, but, you know, I'm old. So mm-hmm. I played ball, and I fucked around with it. I was having fun. And uh, there was a dude, I'll never forget this dude, Greg Holmes, a gangster, gangbanger. I won't say where he's from, but he's a gangbanger. And um, we and him got in a fight. And uh, him and his boys tried to jump me at a donut shop. And uh, There's a lot of donut shops in L.A. Yes. I yes. That. Don't, yes. He, tried, he tried to jump me. Winchels. And, uh, it's many Winchels. donuts so, you L.A. niggas. <laughs> get you a Winchell's so before you leave. I was 13 years old, and there was this bus over by Palms, which is like another, another area, like Culver City area. And there was another hood over there. And I remember following him. I said, I'm going to follow him. And me and my boys is going to fuck, we're going to have, we're going to jump him. And then I saw him at the school and he was playing. He was fucking phenomenal. He was fascinating. He was, I was watching him. He was running back. Mm-hmm. And this dude was juking dudes left and right. And I was a huge fan of Walter Payton back in the day. So I was like, wow, this motherfucker is dope. I mean, this dude is really amazing. I was like, fuck, I, I want to do that. I want to learn how to play. You know, I already played mm-hmm. basketball. So I was like, I want to play football. So I joined this little thing, whatever. Found out me and him were the same age and he was going to end up going to Beverly Hills High School on football. So I was like, all right, well, I just thought I wanted to go there too. So my dad, at the point, he moved us over to another small but one bedroom apartment just so I could be in the district. So I was in the shittiest part of Beverly Hills, which is actually, you know, it's cool, but it's not really great, you know. So, and we're going to school there. I made the freshman football team. I think anyone would have made it at that point. I was in decent shape, whatever, blah, blah. And then that's where it started. And then, you know, eventually I got recruited. But, you know, so I played at Cal at UC Berkeley for a year, and I redshirted. So and you then, was nice? In football, I was All-State. I, was mm. all, I wasn't All-American. I made All-State. I made All-City. I made All-Conference. Let me look these stats up. Yeah, Miko. So do you do your no, due you know diligence what? You, know what? you know what I found out about Bang. our era? A lot of stuff just wasn't recorded. It wasn't documented. But someone documented some of this stuff, and it's pretty dope, You man. found it? Some dude 
found out. I um, find some track stuff on me, but like that's it. I have well, newspaper Well, back then, clippings. I mean, shit, yeah. Curtis Conway was killing the game. Well, he was in, he was Hawthorne. Um, Harold Miner was killing the oh, game I back then, too. Um, hold on, I got to show you this fucking thing. This dude hit me up, and he left me a crazy-ass thing. He's like, I found out some shit about you, and you did play. <laughs> and it was funny. He goes, you averaged, uh, you played seven games in 1991, and he found this fucking thing. It was crazy. He found a stat sheet on me. I'm going to find it right now. And um, but I mean, you know, I didn't play very much. Obviously, I sat on the bench pretty hard, and uh, it was a big difference. From it was hard seeing, and I'm a little bit racist. I don't give a fuck. Yeah, let, let that. It shit was out. hard when seventy percent of my team was black, thirty twenty nine percent no twenty nine percent was uh, was was Caucasian, and then one percent was other, and I was like point zero 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 one percent. You should you have made me? T-shirts that said other. Yeah, so Check you know other. How funny is this? Read that real quick. Because he didn't believe I played at San Francisco State after oh, I transferred when I played because I wasn't getting no... Th- I thought you might like to have this. I played at FS, SFFU the early 2000s for CT. Looks like you played in seven games. Oh, that shit's dope. So Charlie Thomas was CT. That's the coach. So your name, mm-hmm. you're Ben Yang. Yeah, Yang. So the funny thing was every time I scored in, 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 in you know, San Francisco Chronicle is still the biggest newspaper in San Francisco. It's like mm-hmm. the LA Times, the New York Times. This motherfucker would write my name, because it was a pen. There was no typewriter, no computers. He would write my name with like a thing, so I guess the Y looked like a T. So sometimes when the box score, if I scored two points, it said Tang in the ben next thing. And I'm like, come on. No, it Rude. just said Tang. And it just yeah, just name. Tang. And so people are like, listen, man, Chinese shit. I was like, bro, I'm not Chinese, I'm Korean. They're like, man, it's the same fucking same shit. Same thing. That's what people say. So at that point, I was like, listen, Haitian, black, all you motherfuckers, exactly the same. Exactly the same, right? Every yep. one of you guys is Mike Tyson, the whole yeah. nine. Are you related to Kim Jong? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Do you know? I would think of fifteen thousand bad motherfuckers you related to. <laughs> what are you saying? I was about I like to make Kim another Jong. racial joke too. Kim Jong's a cool person to me. Oh, I don't know. They shit, they say man. bad things about. I don't know if it's true though. They my say dad, bad things about my dad. Me. My dad has a couple pictures of them. My dad met him. You know, Word? some crazy shit. I, I probably don't have it on this phone, but yeah, not some fly all shit. All my kids. Yeah, Hell not yeah. just this. I would love to meet his Kim dad. Jong. Was the legend of legends. So his dad, Kim Il Sung, he's the legend. Mm-hmm. You know now, there's, it's the it's the third generation dude now. The the OG pops. My dad has video footage. Like you know, they my dad was trying to reunify South and North Korea on the part time. My dad went to jail for other shit, but that was different type of things. Yeah. Um, going back to sports, you like the Asian Tupac, my nigga. Yeah, I don't know about that, but <laughs> going to um going back to you know school playing ball and everything. It was a trip because I went to. You know, to Fairfax and Beverly Hills High, but the thing was the stats when it goes over, people are like, oh, I do from Beverly Hills. I'm like, bro, I'm not from Beverly Hills. You know what I mean? But um, first day of camp, it was 114 people come to camp, and it was in a city called Vallejo. Vallejo's where uh, Mac Drake's from, uh, E40. All right. There was a couple, you know, cats from there in the Bay, and there was this naval base out there, and we had our two a day camps out there. And I remember, um, um, First day of camp, it was like a hundred. It was like ninety degrees. It was really hot, and I'm seeing again the racist thing. I'm seeing black dudes that are three hundred and twenty pounds linemen, and they're running four eight four seven forty. You got to remember, if you run a four four and you run a four seven, you didn't destroy them. People will say, "Oh, you smoking," but it's hard to see a dude real big, not that far behind you. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, "Yo, this is fucking crazy," because I'm, you know, I'm six feet and I'm one hundred seventy five pounds. And I'm 8% body fat, and I'm doing the best I can. But there was different things that I was doing that high school didn't teach you at college, and they were killing us. And there was only eight freshmen. And um, 
the first day, uh, they stole my Jordans mm. in camp. We all lived in dorms and shit, and they stole my Jordans. So I had to, um, you know, we played on AstroTurf. So I had to wear kind of like cleats, but they looked like soccer shoes or something. So I had to wear those the whole time. People are laughing. And I remember um, during a play, the play ended, and I'm running back to the, to the water bottle, walking to the, to the sideline, and I was in the ground water bottle. And I'm already, not only am I off the field, I'm on the sideline. And this big motherfucker, tight end, 6'4", 220, laid me out. I thought it was, I mean, that's the hardest I ever had taken in my life at that point. <laughs> wow. But I was over, dog, it's, I'm talking about like. You were on the sideline you got here? I, I'm talking, I already, already been on the sideline for a full second. And I'm already, I'm like four yards away. I'm not beyond. So this was on purpose. Man, they're already running another play and he should be in another play. He ran and knocked me out. And he dog. goes, he goes. Bitch ass chink motherfucker. He's like, I don't fuck fuck your whole shit up. Yeah, nigga, I took your shoes too, you bitch ass Chinese motherfucking fucking toyo. You oh. motherfuckers, listen, motherfucker, one of your relatives killed my motherfucking cousin, so fuck you every day, all day. Damn, you he remember quit. that vividly. <laughs> so I remember dude's name was Adrian, and um it didn't even fucking fuck with me because I don't think they knew where I was from. I was like, yo, bro, I seen motherfuckers killed. Like, you should have sh- like, showed up with a samurai sword the next day. Shit, I wish I had some one. crazy man, you know? shit. So, <laughs> you know, um, for a moment, it was like, you know, people were like, you know, who you eat with at the tables during lunchtime and shit and everything and the mess hall and everything. And um, I only related with the black folks. So, you know, I sat with them and then people would say all this shit, whatever. It's always the stupid ass jokes and everything. Mm-hmm. So hits like that happened like four or five more times in a year, and there was more hazing going on. Finally, I just got fed up with it. At the last practice of the year, I didn't play a redshirt. Like this practice of the year, I was running. We were, everyone's running off the field, and I said, "Dawg, it's the last time I'm gonna be able to do anything." And I held that entire anger for fucking you know for many months mm. for an entire season. Now you have to run off the field, go up a hill, and then go up another hill, and then go into the locker room. Before we even got to the cement, he was literally 150 yards away from me, and I just ran as fast as I could. And I mean, I was the second weakest guy on the team next to the bench, next to the um, the uh, the kicker. Mm-hmm. So at the NFL combines, we're doing 225 bench press. I did it only one and a half times. <laughs> at the end of the season, I ended up doing it three, whereas this dude did it like retarded times. But at the same time, if you're pretty strong and you got a lot of momentum. Ain't shit stopping. Yeah, yeah. So he's about 150 yards away from me. And immediately I just start running as fast as I can, full pads and the helmet on. He has no pads on, no helmet, nothing. Mm. He's carrying the helmet, carrying his pads, and he's walking up to the cement now. And I'm going as fast as I can, everything I fucking had. And I laid him out in his neck and everything. So how was his funeral? He didn't die. (laughs) He flew like six feet and he said... He said he saw me like it was too late, though. He was, was like, oh, late. shit. And he saw me, <laughs> fell down. After that, like 10 black dudes on the team said, that motherfucker's a racist. We have to have a situation with this dude. And then the coaches that saw it, they were like, all right, you're going to get suspended, blah, blah. I was like, are you fuck? You saw him step on my hands with cleats. You saw him do shit, yeah. kick me, everything. And y'all, he's like, man, you're supposed to just take that as a freshman. I was like, oh, and this is different Lord. times. You know, this is 91. And I'm like, what? So for the next two, three years of playing football, my nickname was Cheap Shot Yang. There's Damn. no way I could do about it. They went and it was crazy. Mm-hmm. But dude ended up giving me my respect at least. I don't, I don't came back that. at him. Yeah. yeah, I don't give a fuck about he didn't that nickname. That. <laughs> call me whatever fuck you want. Yep. I got him back. You got to say fuck that with a tear. Yeah. Like fuck that. You know what he did? <laughs> with snot, <laughs> with snot coming out of your nose. So, so how did you meet Dr. Dre and all of them? Like how did, um, when did this? 
first time life swollen. First time I met Dr. Dre, um, they came over to his club called Ballistics that David Faustino, if you remember that show Married with Children, yeah. he was Bud Bundy. Yes. So he was the main promoter for the club. It's my boy. My other boy, Nick Adler, is one of my really closest friends. Wait up. Al Bundy's your boy? What did you no, say? Bud Bundy, Bud Bundy, Bundy son. the son. Same, same shit. No, they are not so, the same. So right. Bud was, cool. was real close, close with Easy e mm-hmm. So during the real gangster crazy days when NWO was banned from L.A., so they had to play at the Celebrity Theater in Anaheim, they would bring... Dave Faustino on stage with them. Be like, this is Bud Bundy, because, you know, it was cool. Anyone else famous, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. like, hey, man, that, that show was kind of cool. So, you know, it was like a trip. So I met Easy back in the day. And then um, a couple times at clubs, I met Dre. But I didn't formally meet him, meet him, until he started seeing me DJ at Creek Alley, mm-hmm. which was Denzel's spot on Melrose. And um, that's when we became, we had a relationship. And then Sam Sneed was coming a lot at the time. He was a Death Row producer. He had a song, I think you better recognize. And, um... One night, they gave me full run of the place. And not to sound, again, this is some inside shit. It's fucked up, but, excuse me, it was half black-owned, half white-owned. And one of the black dudes that owned the club, you know, he was best friends with Eddie Murphy. He was dating all the baddest, you know, light-skinned bitches and everything. And then Denzel, (laughs) you know. And then, like, they were like, hey, listen, you're not going to play any more of this fucking rap music up in here. And I was like, what the fuck is you talking about? And they're like, you can keep playing like Al Green. You can play some Earth, Wind, and Fire. You can play some funk, everything else. No rap. No rapping lyrics. I heard about this. And then he was like, you could play fucking um, like Rapper's Delight, Grandmaster Flay. You know, yeah, I, yeah, I was yeah. like, uh-huh. he's like, no Fushnickens, no Dr. Dre, none of this, blah, blah. And I was like, yo, what the fuck are you talking about? At that time, Craig Mack had like the most banging record. I had to play Craig Mack flavor in year. You know, I was yeah. like, you crazy? So... They left. My boy was the manager, and he goes, fuck this. We're about to fucking turn this whole place apart. There was like six big TVs in the, in the place, one big movie screen. I threw the Mac on the, the movie screen and on the TVs and shit. I saw Dre just walk in. I said, I'm about to fuck this whole dude shit up. I started with like 70s West Coast funk, 80s, little old school, and we went right into the fucking whole death row shit, everything. Mm. And he walked up, and he's like, hey, bro, what you know about all that music that you was playing? I was like, man, that's what I grew up on, like real shit. And he said, man, give me, a, give me a number. And I gave him my page number. That's what I had at the time. And, like, um, Sugar come in there all the time. And Sugar give me... I remember Murder Was The Case. He came and brought me the acetate. I don't know if you know what acetate is. But when you got an album made, it's like a fucking 20-pound record. It's gold. Mm-hmm. It's like you hold it. Mm-hmm. And you can only play it, like, three, you know, 30 or 40 times, and then it's not good anymore. That's what you use as a master to make the vinyl. He brought me the acetate. And Sugar's like, you going to play this? And I was like, all right, cool. Because at that time, seriously, I don't. there's no one to this day I can Nobody. think of that's that scary. Yeah. Nobody. It was the scariest shit. And then the worst part about it is my assistant was a dude who knocked him out. You know what uh-huh. I mean? On, 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 on YouTube, if you Google, you know, it's just yeah. fucked up shit. But that's just karma on his part regardless. Because mm-hmm. I had love for Sugar until it, like, it was so much shit. that was like, come on, man. Mm-hmm. This dude is like nobody. What the fuck? Are you beating this dude up? He's like, you know, it's like I was like, man, you tripping. Back then, I was scared as fuck of him. Mm. So, you know, Dre gave me a call and to the studio, and we just started working out things, and he liked me, he fucked with me, but uh, I didn't know there was a situation going on there, and it was about to leave. So I ended up getting a job through his first label, Priority Records. And then from there, I met Brian Turner. If you watched the NWA movie, he was the, the white Jewish cat, and Brian loved me too. So I started at a lower level. I got hated on, you know, like, what the fuck does this chink know about fucking hip-hop? 
fuck this dude, fuck this guy, fuck this dude. It was literally every single time, like, what the fuck this Chinese dude know about? I'm like, God yeah. damn, dog, how many more Chinese motherfuckers am I going to be? <laughs> you know? That story sounds like the piece of NWA, that whole DJ story that in a club. Yeah, you They know, stole that from you? No, no, no. That was like real. That, that, that was, was, But it's very similar to your yeah. story. Dre used to tell me crazy stories about DJ and Compton back then, too. Okay. But um, it's funny because no matter what, there was just no, you know, no it got to a certain around. people until I got to be like a vice president level and we had just signed Jay-Z. And Before. me and yeah, me and Dame was cool. Me and Dame and Biggs was cool and everybody. And um, then I started getting a little respect on my name. Finally, you know? finally, a little. <laughs> finally, bit. Finally, you stopped being the little Asian nigga that ain't yeah. supposed to know nothing. Yeah, and it was funny too because like you know back then it was like, I mean it was just a different time. You know, like I can't even speak on what A and R situations like now. I don't know what it's like. Music has changed so much, but I wasn't about to let it go. I was like, man, bro, I just got a promotion. I just got a hundred fifty thousand dollar a year salary. I had expense report. Dog, I was taking motherfuckers to Mr. Chow's back then. Think about how expensive Mr. Chow's Chow is now. Yeah. So imagine, it ain't back never then. changed. Yeah, it It's was... always raised up. So I was taking people to dinners, and I was waiting for to be called in the office like, who'd you take dinner? I'm like, oh, you know, Faith Evans, we had dinner last night. You know, she was writing a song for my group. Okay, cool, boom. I ended up expensing a Versace jacket. <laughs> and they, I said, I need it for a cop, whatever. And it was like crazy. I got away with it. I was like, this is amazing. And then Bruce... Williams was uh, Dr. Dre's right-hand man. He was ended up being the vice president of the entire co- He was, like, literally the VP of all operations at Math Entertainment for a while. He wrote a book later, uh, recently, or not, later, later on. It was called Rolling with Dre. Mm-hmm. And um, anyways, uh, hits me up. He's like, hey, Dre, I want to meet you. I was like, all right. He's like, yo, we starting this new record label up. Uh, we want to get down. I was like, man, I just signed a contract. He's like, want me to tell you some real shit? I was like, nah. He goes, you ain't got no money. And I was like, no, I make $150,000. He goes, exactly. You ain't got no money. Mm-hmm. He's like, fuck that contract. Brian's cool. If you're going after your dreams, he ain't going to stop you. Maybe he's going to be upset and not see what your vision is. But I'm talking about an opportunity to come fuck with me. It's only eight of us at this label. You going to come with us? It was Black Market Records. I was like, fuck it, I'm coming. He goes, listen, bro, what's he going to sue you for? Some Jordans and your lease payment on your truck. And I was like, oh, you're right. <clears throat> Meanwhile, I wasn't right, but, you know, he did take care of me, you know, whatever. <laughs> Dre just wanted me to come out there because he knew I, you know, I had, I had a lot of my ears to the street. I was fucking with Pac at the time. Mm-hmm. I was fucking with Faith Evans and Pac at the same time. It was crazy shit. So I left and went to Aftermath, and I didn't even say I was quitting. You just Damn. dipped. You, you the, was a nigga then. There was a crazy start. The crazy part was mm-hmm. people in the office knew what was going on, mm. and it was hating and my assistant, Dana, she was like, so, when are you leaving? And I was like, I ain't going nowhere. She was like, come on, you know? <laughs> Streets is talking. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then there was a dude I was supposed to put on. He was like the Chris Rock from, like, Boomerang. He was on the mailroom, you know, came up, blah, blah. Then he finally got a job in the office area. And I remember he was like, man, you a B-A-N. I'm going to call you Ben Yang because I was Ben Yang baller. I was Ben Baller in, in college, and because I, I took the Yang, I didn't like the Yang. Mm-hmm. But then back in the music business, they put me as Ben Yang Baller. So my plaques, my platinum plaques all say Ben Yang Baller. And so if you have like an accent, maybe a little bit of southern accent, this dude was from Atlanta, he was like, man, hey, Ben Yang. And I was like, why do you keep calling me Ben? And this was after he found out I was leaving, I wasn't going to put him on. He's like, Ben, because you a bitch-ass nigga. And I was like... <laughs> Damn. And I was like, hey, bro, let me tell you something, man. You don't talk to me like that. Made He's an like, oh, acronym man. for you? Yeah, he made an acronym for the last two weeks of my time at Priority. Sick. What type and, of? And um, 
He's around. Davian, if you're around, man, fuck you. But I still fuck <laughs> you. Davian Watkins, he's a good dude. But no, um, this motherfucker had one of my groups out one night, The Truth. It was a Def Squad group, Eric Sermon, keep, keep my red memory. And um, Faith Evans wrote they, vocal coach, wrote some songs. Missy, before she had Deal, mm-hmm. before Missy was signed, Missy was doing a lot of shit with them and helping us out. And he got in a car accident with them. And he called me. Remember back then, there was no cell phones. He hit me like at 4 in the morning. was like, hey, you know I got in a car accident. I was like, no, motherfucker, I didn't know you got in a car accident. How you want me to put you on if you can't even? Anyways, dude is a, is a trip. And I left. And um, As you should have. Yeah, I got to Aftermath. And um, Dre got everyone a car. He got everyone an expedition. At that time, expedition was like having to escalate now. Mm-hmm. That shit is fly. Yeah, yeah. So he got everyone an expedition. Got everyone a Rolex. Was, you know, was, was put everyone on. And I was like, I got a question. Where's my office at? And he's like, man, don't worry about the office and shit. I'm like, what you mean? Like, I want to have meetings and shit. He goes, we want to have meetings at the studio. You go take a meeting, don't worry about it. He's like, motherfucker, you tell somebody you at Dr. Dre's studio. I was like. That is the office. Okay. All right. But it was different being in a real office, corporate, you know, high-rise building, you know, receptionist. You started at the bottom. So I was like, okay, um, what about plane tickets? I got to go to New York. I want to meet producers. And he goes, man, just tell me when you want to fly. And I'm like. What? I'm like, you got a, you ain't got a corporate credit card? He's like, nah, man, I can't. I, you know, he said, you know, some N-words can't really control a credit card, so I'm not about to have all that. And I'm like, the fuck are we supposed to do? He's like, well, you're going to go talk to this person. And she wasn't really our financial person, but she would write a check, and then we do whatever. Mm-hmm. So I was like, all right. I was like, okay, um, what about salary? And he's like, you know what, man? I can't believe you just came over here without a salary talk. You just came with me. So because you came with me, What'd you get paid at your last job? And I was like, that's what I got paid. He goes, all right. So he gave me 20% more while I was getting my last job because he felt like, you know, you left mm-hmm. from me, whatever. So I was cool. It was just a total different thing. I had to be at work at the office at 930 in the morning and uh, we'd leave at seven, whatever. Whereas motherfuckers didn't get up until two o'clock <laughs> to the studio. You know what I mean? Like 2 p.m. And um, the first day I got there. It was a gang of cars there. I'm there at 9.30 in the morning. I'm like, oh, shit. Typical Asian. my first day. I'm like, all right, I'm there at 9.30, right? Boom, I walk in. I see Bud. I see everyone doing their music. These motherfuckers, I'm like, yo, man, what's up? Oh, we about to get out of here. I was like, you about to get out of here? Where y'all going? He goes, oh, we've been here since last night. We going home. And I was like, the fuck you talking about? It's my first day. The first day. Man, shut your dumb ass up. Go make you a sandwich or something, man. Go fucking listen to some. Go watch fucking BET uh, raps or some shit, man. I was like, I didn't understand it was really... You got really... the best job ever and ain't realized. I didn't yeah. even know. I didn't. Because <laughs> I was be so... Some nine to five shit. I was so structured mm-hmm. into to being someone else's employee and like being a... You know what I mean? He was like, bro, he was on some Wolf of Wall Street shit. When I saw that movie, I didn't realize it until later. He was like, tell motherfuckers you own the company. I don't care what you do. Get the job done. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? He wasn't a hater. Mm-hmm. Like, Dre was like, hey... Get the motherfucker in here. So how am I going to get him in here? I said, man, tell him you fucking work with me, man. You t- tell him I'm Dre's manager. You know, tell him you're vice president of the fucking company. I don't give a fuck what you do. You tell him whatever the fuck you want to. Ain't no one going to be like, man, I'm motherfucker. Ben Yang ain't the fucking play. Then no one's going to say that. Mm-hmm. And it worked. I didn't come into work one day. And I was like, hey, man, you guys need me in there? He goes, no, nah, motherfucker, unless you want to listen to some music, we got some new beats. Boom, boom, boom. And it was just cool. So I literally was like a different vibe completely. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I was there for a few years, and it just was crazy. But we had, like, 18 groups, and we had, like, nine groups, and none of them ever came out. So, Yo, you know, I knew a girl that was signed to Aftermath. Who? Like, when, um, the fuck was her name? Brooklyn was her name. She was from Queens. 
but her name was Brooklyn. I never forget because I used to tell her like, "Yo, you from Queens? Why is your name it Brooklyn?" Sound, it sounds familiar, but what? What? Like what? She was on a record with Game and Okay, that's way later. That's oh, way right, later. Right. It's gone. But Queens yeah. don't sound good. It's no, good she as was Brooklyn. Really from Queen- yeah. But it don't sound as good. Game got signed in late 2002. So that was way later. I remember man, fuck, you know the fucked up part about this is some game I got love for. We still good. But there's some cats that I want to say some shit about. I know they'll end up hearing this. <laughs> don't get your ass fucked. Oh, I don't want you know what? I'm don't get gonna, slammed like I'm you was gonna, in the football bro, field. Listen, first of all, man, I carry a gun. Ain't no one here gonna fuck Okay, <laughs> my type of nigga. I will shoot the fuck out of everyone in this motherfucker. We run the same lane. I will shoot everyone in this motherfucker. Oh man, fucked. increase hey. the peace. I'll make a I'll make a John Woo movie in this city, man. I'm telling you. Um, it's just it's just crazy because so much evolved. When Eminem came to the label, he say the label, mm-hmm. you know, like for real. But up until then, it was like Twiddly Winks. Well, we put the Firm album out. Damn, and, uh, holy shit. I forgot y'all put the Firm album out. Yeah, I put out. the Firm album out, you know, and um, at the time, it was the, that most of the album was recorded in Miami, and Melman was about to leave. Everyone, almost all the producers left. And I told Mel, I was like, bro, you don't want to leave, man. He's like, yeah, I ain't got shit, bro. I'm from the Hill, from the Hill Projects in Pittsburgh. He's like, man. Mm-hmm. So I said, give me a beat tape. Gave me the beat tape. It was like literally a tape cassette. That's why this whole mixtape shit now got my whole fucking head fucked up. Mm-hmm. It's like someone called me, yo, give me that gold chain. And it'd be plastic. I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? It's just a yeah, it's speech. Yeah. So we really had a real cassette. And he gave me the tape. And I got... So yeah, no, I, I, got, Mel on, I got Mel on a couple of tracks on the Firm album. And um, you know, it's cool because at that point, you know, like... Uh, Trey was a huge fan of Nas... And that whole thing. The funny thing is, Dre was a huge fan of the East Coast rap, period. Mm-hmm. You know, we had a rapper who was a huge lyricist outside a label called, uh, his name was Last Emperor. This is the early 90s, so, you know, I don't know if you guys, because I know you cats are a little younger, but um, we had some cats that was, like, about it, that was signing a label. It was a trip seeing everyone, like, come together. We would go to Dre's house and play basketball, and, like, um, at that point in my life right then and there, I was doing a lot of drugs. I was smoking, like, a shitload of weed. I was taking fucking, like, ecstasy pills. I was I was getting fucked up all the time. So I remember I got really fucked up, and I was like, man, I play college ball. I'm like, motherfucker, you can't play no college ball. <laughs> Shut your ass up. Because mm-hmm. there was no proof of back then except my pictures that yeah. I had. And, like, I don't give a fuck about no picture. You took that shit at JCPenney at the motherfucking <laughs> mall. Shut your ass up. And I'm so fucking out of shape and so high all the time. I remember I was like, bro, listen, man. I remember I jumped up in a tent to touch the rim, and I think... I think I came like six feet away from even touch. I was so far from touching the, the rim. Sick. It was terrible. You know, so I didn't get to redeem myself until more recently. You know what I'm saying? It's funny. But um, that was an interesting era. Uh, what's crazy about that is people look back at it like, all right, well, that was your last term at a label. And when you left, priority became monstrous enormous and i'm like dude like do you regret that i'm like the thing is they got monstrous off shit that i had nothing to do with acts i had were doing cool you know we had duck down we had black moon smith mm-hmm. and wesson we had we had some dope shit the east coast we had organized confusion we had you know feral much you know all that shit but the thing is they're talking about the master p era when master p just was out of this world you know what i mean making yeah put out 52 albums and, and he put out an album a week and everything went like almost gold. Like it was crazy. Yeah, that era was crazy in music. And the thing is, I say this all the time. That had nothing to do with me. So I'm not the type of motherfucker like, yeah, man, we got this, this, and this. Oh, what'd you do with it? 
I'm at the label. We on the same team. No. No, fuck that. You know what I mean? <laughs> People ask me all the time, like, you could have collected a check, jumped to executive vice president, then senior executive vice president. I could have been making $300,000 a year sitting there and chilling. And I'm like, yeah, and then I'd have had no career, nothing later on to look forward to. Yeah, fuck exactly. is you talking about? Yep. So, you know, Dre at least gave me some shit, you know, whatever. And then Dre also broke my heart like a couple times. And, um... You know, it's it's. Uh, I try to be, I try to be more real and like verbatim. So I really try not to use an N word unless it's being called towards me. How so? How did he break your heart? <clears throat> pause. Um. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I came back after uh, when I left. Uh, they had just started the tour for uh, 2001, mm-hmm. and I was a DJ still. You know, in '96, I had my first Billboard in Las Vegas before any of these fucking EDM cats or any of these cats had. I had before even uh, Kid Capri had a, had a uh, billboard. I had a billboard in Las Vegas for a DJ, and I was a big DJ, and that's what my, my shit was. I was always, even though I forgot to mention, even though I was record executive, priority aftermath, I always had a club gig at least three or four a week, sometimes out of state, Side whatever. Hustle. So I was always, you know, doing my thing. And um, I came back to the studio one day because I was Hitman's DJ. Hitman was on the 2001 album. In fact, he was on the album more than anybody else, and he's the only artist on the entire album that has solo record, Act Right. So on the Dr. Dre 2001, um, I came back, and we were going over some shit, and he was making that beat. Um, the uh, I forgot. It was track number eight on 50 Cent's album, but it's a gunshot. It's, it's like a... That's the pole beat. The snare and everything is like a gunshot. It's a, it's a gun clicking. And uh, me and Dre were in Studio B making the, um, making the, the beat. Oh, I know what record that is. And... Mm-hmm. and uh, Nah. No, 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 no. 50 no. album. It's a 50, 50 it's a cent beef, album. beef, and dump it, the body in yeah. and nothing. Yeah. That shit. It was like, <clears throat> yeah. it was like an yeah. organ playing. And we made the beat. And then I remember I was scratching, and me and him, I were going over some shit. And Dre looked over at me. He goes, hey, Ben Yang, man. And he goes, hey, man, Pesci, get everyone out to fucking studio. And Pesci and this other dude, um, Seagal, head, head engineers there, got everyone out to the studio. And he goes, let me ask you a question. I was like, what's up? He was like, you're not making records yet? And I was like, at that point, and I'm explaining why. At that point, the whole my soul had exited my body. Mm. Since I was 12, my dreams was to be large professor, be Pete Rock and Seal Smooth, be mm. that. Boop, but I never understood it. And when people were buying equipment, I was out buying chains and stupid shit. You know what I mean? I was buying Jordans. Being and a nigga. I just wasn't. Yeah, and, but that's what he called me every day. He's like, Ben, you're not fucking Asian anymore. I don't want to hear about it. You a nigga. And he's like, you act like a fucking <laughs> nigga. You act stupid as fuck. And I'm like. Yo, man, what the fuck? Are you calling everyone else stupid? He's like, yeah, man. But I expect more of you. I said, that's racist as fuck. Why do you expect you more of me? And he goes, because, man, you could be doing more, man. You might do what I send into the office when I can't send this motherfucker in because they're going to say <laughs> no to him. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, damn, yeah. I never looked at it like that, you know? Yeah. He's like, you want to wear FUBU, man. Can't you go wear some motherfucking IZOD, man, and just be a regular motherfucking yep. person? And I was like, that ain't me, though. So he was like. He wanted you to play the part. He's just, He's like, you ain't making beats yet. He said records first, but he's like, I was, I was like, I was like, nah, man. He goes, this entire time, you have been next to me, killing it. Your music selection's cool. You know about the roots. You know all the fucking classics, and I mean like the originals. You got all the breaks. I would have gave you all my drum sets. Motherfuckers was give their lives at that point. I remember Jada Kiss had called and wanted to get a beat. Um, someone else had called for a beat too. And Dre was like, nah, man, I didn't sell beats. Like, he's like, do you know how much these discs, like these drum loops, I'm giving you my own personal Dr. Dre. I would have gave you everything. 
you in-house, you hear. You just never asked. I'm not going to sit there and tell you. You know what I mean? I'm waiting for you to ask me. And I was like, man, at that point, I knew immediately my, I just couldn't do it. And even still, if I got into it then, I still probably would have gotten okay, you know? There was a kid that grew up in Beverly Hills, and when I was at school there, he was really young. He was like 11. Now he's a huge producer in hip-hop. His name is Alchemist. And Alchemist was, you know, from there, and, you know, I remember him getting started on beats. He just had his own interests, and I just didn't think about it. I just thought about DJing and getting cash. Mm-hmm. I wasn't thinking about getting checks. I was thinking about getting cash. I was thinking on some the street dealer down the street. Like, man, fuck a check for fucking 10000 man. Get you $4,000 cash, man. Fuck that check shit in the government. <laughs> I was on really thinking like yeah, a fucking criminal. Yeah. A nigga. You know, yep, so. Like a whole nigga. Thank you, Tristan Walker and the team at Bevel for continuing to support tax season. Ain't nothing more sad in 2016 than seeing grown men with razor bumps and grown hairs and knowing that he doesn't know the blessing called Bevel. Multi-blade razors often cause irritation and razor bumps and hair removal creams are messy and can leave burns and discoloration. Up to 80% of black men and women experience razor bumps and up to 30% of all men and women experience razor bumps. In as little as four weeks, people see a positive change when you're dealing with bevel with your skin. They use Bevel Razor. The Bevel end-to-end shave system includes a pre-shave oil, badger brush, safety razors, blade shaving cream, and a cooling restoring balm. Start shaving smarter by going to Bevel.com and using code TACKSTONE. To get the first month of your Bevel subscription for free, that's G-E-T-B-E-V-E-L.com and entering code TACKSTONE at the checkout will get you that discount. That's T-A-X-S-T-O-N-E. At checkout. I remember the first time uh, I got a big check and I got a BMW the next day, and everyone saw, saw that. What happened? Oh man, Ben Yang got a BMW. They go into the parking lot of the studio, and then Dre walk over, like, nigga. And I'm like, what the fuck is you talking about? You did the same old shit, you know? Like, just funny, you yeah, know? So nigga. that was, <laughs> I mean, nigga. what was your involvement with the um with the Rockefeller deal? Um, so pretty much, like I said, you know how you said the Master P deal wasn't my wasn't my deal at all. The thing is. Master P came in through a P&D deal. I don't know what that means. That means press and distribute. So Master P pretty much just um, came in, distribution. We'd press up his, his uh, we actually, so it's like we'd manufacture the CDs and then he does the promotion and the marketing and everything else. At a certain point, though, it became such a major thing that even if we spent a bunch of money on promotion, when they're paying for promotion, it was in our best interest because we would end up selling more records. You feel me? So on the Rockefeller deal, that was through Freeze. When we signed Jay-Z, there was only three people that were up at top, and I was one of them. So we had the artist direction with everything coming in, so we're dealing with the day-to-day. And when that deal came in, it was literally, fuck, man, maybe like seven, eight months before I left. But I had built a really strong relationship with Biggs. Me and Biggs became real close, mm-hmm. you know, and we're pushing this album. And I remember when I had that R&B group I was telling you about with Missy, we had a chance to put Jay-Z on a 16 bar and I chose Eric Sermon instead of him. And Jay found out later. Nigga. And I remember when Jay walked around the office, like, you know, he was like, like, I would be like, hey, man, you want you want to, you want to, and he was like, nah, man, I'm cool, man. I'm cool, Ben Yang. Watch I'm cool. out, dog. Yeah. But Dame and all of them didn't really, they didn't really trip. They're like, you know, boom, we got other shit. They had a group, um, was it Christian, I think? Clouds of Smoke. Do you remember that? Yeah, they had an R&B group and stuff. And, um, Andrew Shack, me, Brian Turner, uh, fuck, who else was there? Um, Dave Weiner, 
It's like two other people that was part of that whole situation. And um, I never thought that Jay was going to be huge. I was just like, okay, you got a cool relationship with Biggie. You know, you got... Nigga. <laughs> I was like, you got a cool... You got a cool... You got a cool... Uh, you know, you got a cool track with Foxy Brown. I remember at one point, I was at La Montrose Hotel where everyone used to stay. Yep. And Foxy was talking all this shit. She was like, fuck that shit. Jay-Z need me. And blah, blah. She was talking... Big shit in the, in, in the lobby. She was like, that motherfucking record ain't no niggas big, big because of me and blah, blah. And I remember I had the, I, I look at the plaque wow. every day because it was, it was my first Jay-Z plaque on the wall. And I was looking at her and I was like, I want to be a snitch so bad and go tell Biggs you out of here talking. I was like, you know what? I just didn't say shit. And her manager at the time, head of the label, was a gangster dude, Don Pools. I fuck with him, you know, so I was like, mm-hmm. I kept it, whatever. And she was woofing off the mouth. But um, I still remain cool with them. It's just um, I wasn't really feeling the situation. I wasn't doing shit. And I think Jay and them wasn't feeling too. That's why they ended up leaving. So they asked, uh, Dame asked for a house. And at the time, I think my numbers are off. But I think the house was upwards of 25 grand a month. So that's, and and an S-Class, S-500 Benz. That right now would probably be equivalent to like a $75,000 a month house. Mm. This is like, you know, late 90s. And I guess they didn't do it. Over that small of a deal... They're like, fuck this. And then they got out of their deal and they got signed to Def Jam. From that point on, when he dropped that out, remember the Hard Knock Life and everything else, they were sending faxes of the billboard number ones to fucking Andrew Shag and Brian. Mm. Like, you should have never let this go. Nigga. And at the same time, they were like, yeah, we got Master P. And in my brain, <laughs> I was like, and the, oh, I'm sorry, I skipped a little bit. My man Fade was over at Quest Records. He was the head of Quest. He, um, they had the Sprung soundtrack. And that was when Jay-Z did Who You Wit. And that was when I heard the record, and I was like, yo, man. And I wasn't listening to what was going on in New York City because I was so West Coast-inspired and everything else. I fuck with them, but I wasn't in the streets hearing the rumors and stuff. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, there's a gang of rumors about tax. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? In the streets. Like tax. But, you know, there's rumors. Allegedly. <laughs> allegedly. And, you know, I heard some crazy shit today about you, bro. By the way. Anyway, so, allegedly. It's all allegedly. about me? Allegedly. So, yeah, so. Niggas love you lying. Know, people, <laughs> people across the country are saying, yo, man, you know, Jay-Z, the king of New York. He's a new king of New York. And I was like. You fucking crazy, man. Jay-Z ain't about to be no king in New York. And, like, all those mixtapes are coming out, and he was really killing the shit, Nigga. all this stuff. And then the Streets is Watching tour came out, and I remember they gave me the Letterman jacket, and I was still real cool with Dame. I just wasn't fucking priority. And then they had left, and we saw each other at Life one night, nightclub in New York. That was, like, a legendary club. Mm-hmm. And we was out there, it was par, and it was like, Ben Yang Baller, and that was always cool with rock. And we was out just getting, you know, having fun and everything and having fun, and, and um, you know... At one point, I felt like, fuck, man, I should have just jumped on the rock. And uh, mm. um, another interesting thing that people don't know about was Jin from Rough Riders had came out. He got signed to Rough Riders, a Chinese dude. That's your cousin? Rapping. That's, your, that's, your, <laughs> that's the dude that worked at the bodega you, you get your Philly blunts from. Or your Swishers. Shout out to Jin. And, um, sick. So I saw him one day on TV and I said, man, Dre, fuck this shit, bro. I don't give a fuck how kind of lyrics he got. Write my, because I didn't know about ghost rapping. I didn't know about fucking ghost writing. I didn't know about none of that shit. I seen a dude in the studio one day rapping, and I was like, what the fuck is he doing? Why is he, why is he trying to fucking bite off of Dre? He's writing, he's rapping. This is Dre's beat. Next thing I know is a reference tape, and then they give it to Dre. Dre listens to the car, listens at home, and come back and do the song. And I was like, wow. That's why when Jay-Z did the reference shit for Still, I'm like, the fuck? Mm-hmm. I never knew about that type of shit, because, you know... I was doing more of the record. He was by the, the book, too. Yeah, the suit shit. So I was like, Dre, sign me. 
Please. I'm not playing. Fuck yeah. it. I'm going to be, if this motherfucker sells 500,000 records, I'm going to sell two, three million off my image alone. Ain't no one, you know who I am. Mm-hmm. I'm going to kill this shit. And I'll DJ for myself. I'm going to do it. And he was like, man, if you serious, let's do this. I was like, man, the fuck is going to play around. So I hit up Dame and we were at the song cry video shoot mm-hmm. and he rented Michael Jackson's house for the video. And Dame was like, you want to do this? I was like, yeah, man, let's do this. And he goes, you got to at least bust a 16 bar for just anything. I don't give a fuck what it is. Just flow about something. And then Jay-Z walks in the room. Awkward. And he's like, what's up, man? And I was like, I froze. And I'm, I'm not even starstruck by nothing. I've known dudes yeah, since yeah. before his career. And he sat down. He's hove now, probably. And he's like this. Rap. And yeah, and James like, yeah, it's like taking a jump shot in front of Michael Jordan, right? Yeah. And I was like, oh, man, that's, you know. And it was like fucking, uh, what's homeboy's name from fucking 8 Mile? He's a, the, the black actor dude. Um, Makai Five? Not Makai. The other dude, the rapper dude, the the the, the thug. From, from what? Fuck, oh Eight my mild. God. Papa Doc? Papa Doc? Yeah, Papa Doc. Remember how he just went blank and just didn't say shit? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. That's what happened to you. The worst part about it is this was before fucking 8 Mile, I'm pretty sure, I think. <laughs> and they played a mob beat, fucking beat. And the thing is, they had beef. So it was just, I just had all of my shot of shit in my head. And I was like, um, and I was thinking like, all right. Fuck <laughs> Koreans. Like, you know what I mean? I was thinking like, I didn't know what to say. So I just went blank. And they were like. Man, come on, man. And then that was it. That was my whole rap career you that never I thought spit. about. Never spit. Nothing man. came out. And Dame was like, the fuck is wrong with you, man? I was like, I was just fucking with you. If you could have just said any, you could have said a Jay-Z rhyme. I just wanted to hear your flow type. How you, you came across. Yeah, yeah you I was should've. like, thank, thank fucking God I didn't. But that was the end of my record career. That was the end of my music business career and everything from there. You know, I just was, that was a rap. Damn. <laughs> ben Baller has lived a life. Man, of a nigga. Of a fucking whole nigga. whole <laughs> nigga. And he made it out swell and unscathed. Yeah, I'm okay, man. Through all no. these battles and trials and tribulations. and, and You and, know what, though? Out of everyone besides Dre, and with, with the exception of a few arguments that me and him had, there's so few people I could say in this business that have been the coolest people in the world. And two of them, one of them being Pharrell, and the other one being Tupac. Man, I don't know what it was, man, but I was broke as fuck. I mean, not broke, but I mean, I had enough to pay my rent and I had whatever. I had no money to, like, get other shit or go to the club and stunt and whatever. And there was a point in time where, I mean, and Pac was just like, I wasn't even, like, a boss yet or, like, even, like, a shot caller or nothing. Yeah, and he just he just fucked me because he remembered me from the club and whatever and DJing. And he if they wouldn't let me in the club, he'd come out and get me. Like, shit like that. That's pretty crazy, you know? Mm-hmm. So that's dope that Pac was always like that, you know, and he was cool. And the crazy part was he was trying to change his ways and he was trying to make right, right before he had died, you know, right before he got shot. Mm-hmm. He was trying to get off the label in a certain way. Like, I don't know what they're going to speak about in the movie. I have no idea. I don't know anything. But yeah. I know he wasn't trying to be that dude, you know. I've seen a lot of fucking shit that my boy Gobi and at the time when he was married to his girl Tracy, they did all the videos. How do you want it? Everything. They have all kinds of footage and everything. And then... um. One of the head promotion guys at Priority, he was Pac's promotion man when um, All Eyes on Me, not All Eyes on Me, the, uh, the album before that, Me Against the World came out. And I'd see the letters from jail and everything and all this stuff. And, you know, I knew Pac is a different dude. Now, he's still dope as a motherfucker, but it's just weird, you know? Like, you would, a lot of people probably thought he was a dick. He just always, he was just always cool as fuck. He's only a dick if you deserve a dick. That's, oh, what, I, that's what I heard from people that knew him, that he was cool as shit, but... 
if you if you gave him your dick to suck, he was gonna give you the same thing. Uh, Pac, Pac always seemed like he was he was real, you know, like um, passionate and. Whatever he said, he felt like it was truthful. Mm. That's why I like Pac, and that's why I like a lot of people like DMX. Like, it feel like they just still mean what they saying, and they, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I think that that's the word. He was very passionate, but the thing about Pac was he was so fucking mesmerizing. Like, he come in a room and still just, he just, he just glow. You know, he was, he glowed. Yeah, no, some people no, just got that, that, uh, that. I don't know what it called that glow. I like, heard that's how I was with Bobby Schmurder. I told you, like Bobby Schmurder, like people was listening to the rap, and I was watching this video with no music, and I was like, "This nigga gotta go," and that was it. I just started promoting Bobby Schmurder after that. He gotta go? No, I said he gotta like go. Like he gotta get signed, yeah, like because he, he was such a star. Like I was like, "Damn, yeah. why, he gotta go." That's why he gotta go. Nah, 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 nah. Um, <laughs> you wouldn't be in a nigga. No like disrespect, mm-hmm. but to this day, still. And think, I, come on, man! I, I fucking when Drake came on, I was part of that whole situation. Um, I think um, I've seen so many people perform, and Drake's different because he's singing in a way. So it's it's like, and I see his fan base, and it's like more. Mm. It's it's different. Yeah, I'm talking about like you know, dog. When you look at look at Google, Drake Ben Baller from the So Far Gone. Right, that was a real record. I put like that was what took him off on a level. I was part of that whole shit. And, you know, I see Future perform. I see people perform. I see things. And um, I won't take away from Diddy. You know, they had their great performances and stuff. But I'm telling you, man, House of Blues, Tupac show, Death Row shit. When I was there and just all the, the gang activity, band. all the fucking get blood, crips, essays, every, women, it was crazy. I said women. I don't want to say bitches. You can mm. say bitches. So, anyways, I'm, I'm just very, with you. I'm very good with I'm that I'm just word. saying, his stage presence, Sorry. I haven't seen a dude still to this day that has stage presence like that. Mm-hmm. And no disrespect to anybody else that put Yeah, he, he had that energy. Like, you know, I'm a, I told people, like, as a kid growing up on the East Coast and being a Biggie fan, I just naturally didn't like pop because I thought that was what you're supposed to do. No, nah, for sure. But, I feel you. You know, as growing up as a grown man, and you start thinking about the shit Pac said and like certain things, and you like, damn, this motherfucker was a revolutionary, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's like your opinion changes and when I like right now, like one of my favorite Tupac songs is um, "Friend Like Me" with right. Scarface. Like I love that fucking record, and I liked it for a minute. But it was one of them things like I can't like this shit, man. Yeah, 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 I feel you. You know what I mean? But the thing is, with me, it was different because we weren't really like haters about shit. I just felt like Big should be a little more careful about how he's how he was acting in certain things because people were still tight, mm-hmm. people upset. He in L.A. really celebrating too much. I felt mm-hmm. like fuck. I was more worried about it, but. Did you know Big? I I met Big once, and it was a week before he got killed. And then I was at the um, that event that night. Me and Alex Thomas, a comedian, were just talking about this because he was there at the event, and he heard the gunshots right when his car was parked on. We know the area because that street is it's a very famous car museum, Peterson. But um, I met him once, and I was gonna put him on the American Pimp soundtrack, and uh, I played him a beat, and he liked it, and we was gonna go forward. He was with Lil C's, and um. He was just cool too, you know. But I, I can't really speak on it because it was a forty-five minute experience. But uh, as a rapper, Jesus Christ, you know. At the time when Biggie and uh, and Jay um, performed Apollo Theater way back early on, he Jay was on was on priority still. Mm-hmm. My man Mark Brown was there. He was on stage in the back, you know, chilling. He was like, "Yo, this shit was on a different level." And I'm like, "I'm sure," you know. And um, is it true that you took um, you took um, Faith to Tupac's room? Man, no, bro. don't lie now. 
Don't lie. It's okay, baby. It's cool. We're not judging you. Not no. at all. No. Just going to add on to the nigga shit you've done this in your whole career. This nigga the Tupac no, room. It was him. I did not, man. Stop that. Stop that. Jesus. How could you? You caused the war. No. But I was hanging out with them during that whole time. We was in a limo. We was kicking it and whatever. And yeah. it's so funny. You want to hear something crazy? At that time, um, I got to fucking find this shit. That's another thing. It's just so random because uh, he was at the Peninsula Hotel. And the Peninsula Hotel was like not a hotel any rapper is going to stay at. Period. You know, it's just not. You just won't stay there. And um, um, I'm trying to find this picture. My sister sent me a picture she got drunk with Pac. Her and her friends got drunk with Pac that night. And um, I remember going to the hotel that night or one of those nights when he was staying there. But, uh, yeah, no, Faith was rocking. You know, she was she was helping us with the album. I got a lot of love for Faith. Mm-hmm. I got no slander to, to look at this shit. How crazy is that? It's my sister and Pac right there. That's funny shit at the Peninsula Hotel. But, Damn. yeah, no, I got, I got nothing to do with any kind of dropping off at no... You let you let your yeah. sister hang out with Tupac? Well, my sister's a G, man. Oh, okay. It's a, a crazy shit. But yeah, no, that's that's some rumors. That's definitely throwback. Yeah. You could tell from the from the lighting, everything in that picture. <laughs> the, the HD makeup, quality. The bangs. Niggas. <laughs> Faith is cool as fuck though, man. Faith was she yeah, was I real cool. Faith. Smoked mad weed, man. She was cool. She she helped me out a lot, you know, back then. Especially because you know, clearances was a big deal. Do you know what I mean? Um, I will say this. It's fucking wrong. It's not right. But I, I had a 16, and, and um, I had a song that she already was on with, with my group. And then um, Pac was going to get on the remix of it and then rap on the same song because I already got clearance from her. Yeah, they couldn't so do anything like, about mm. it. Exactly. And then um, he, had, he got shot on a Friday, and then he died the next Friday. The Friday he actually died, I was supposed to meet him in Santa Monica on the set. This is where it goes crazy in the full circle. I was supposed to meet him in Santa Monica on the set of Gang Related, and the person who was setting me up was one of the, one of the producers on the movie. He was the light-skinned black owner that owned the club I was DJing at. They didn't want me to play no hip-hop music. Oh, my God. And he owned, like, the most famous soul restaurant, soul food restaurant in L.A. Mm-hmm. with uh, Debbie Allen and um, Denzel, all them. So and where is that? Because I need It's some. not there anymore. I wish it was uh-huh. there. The place was fucking amazing. It's called Georgia. Mm-hmm. And uh, anyways, he was the dude that set the meeting up, but then Pocket died. It fucking got me so fucked up because... That would have been like my legendary thing right there. Like, boom, I got Pac on this record. Yeah, yeah. You know, but it is what it is. And Mad controversy. You would have won. So how exactly did you get in the jury? When did um, you become the jury man? So, you know, um, I'm not really so close with all my family. Um, my mom, my sister, my brother, we cool. Our cousins, we were cool really young. And then there was a falling out between money. I think my mom started making money, like I said, later on when I became like a teenager and uh, I think a lot of the family from Korea were like, hey, man, put us on, help us out. And I think she had helped too many people out, and they was out gambling, doing shit that was dumb. And she was like, yo, I can't fuck around. I got kids, you know what I mean? You mm-hmm. got kids. You can't be just fucking. So he goes, okay, I'm going to start a business. And they start businesses not knowing about it, and then I do the taxes, whatever. So it was, my mom was just responsible for you know, them losing tons of money. So she couldn't do it. So they had fallen outs. So I don't really speak to anybody in the family, really. Now, my uncle was a jeweler. Been a jeweler. He was jeweler for 35 years before he retired, and he owed my mom some bread. So he gave my mom a big-ass diamond, and uh, I always remember he was a jeweler, and I always loved fucking chains. You know, like, everyone had chains, and, and I never could afford them mm-hmm. until I got to Aftermath. That's when I really could afford the chains. And at the time, there was this jeweler that was coming there, and he was kind of like, whatever. And um, 
Um, he would bring Dre some shit once in a while. Dre never really wore anything crazy, but um, my cousin was kind of doing the business at Slauson. And he was like, man, why don't you uh, bring me some, some, some celebrities? Bring me a rapper. Bring me King T. Bring me any fucking buddy. Mm-hmm. You know, bring me somebody that wants jewelry. I'll do whatever. I can do stuff. And I was like, nah, man, you tripping. And this is like, you know, 97, 98. And then um, around uh, 2004, we had a family little meeting, and uh, he had a Corvette. And uh, that was kind of like, that was kind of cool. I was like, oh, he got a Corvette. I had a, I had a BMW. I had a 745 at the time. You know, that was like the fucking, that was the shit he right there. He was lit. Yeah, I was lit yeah. all the way up. 22s, the whole nine, right? And um, I was like, what you doing, man? I was like, this and that. I was like, you know, I'm about to retire from DJing. Um, I have some money coming soon. I'm about to sell my sneaker collection. I had no idea it was going to be that kind of money when I sold my sneaker collection. And uh, right around uh, the time I was engaged um, to this model, and uh, she had kind of fucked. She fucked my whole shit up. I, my head was all fucked up because I thought I was going to get married for real. I was 32. I was like, all right, man. You know, I was 31, actually. And um, I said, fuck this. So what I did was I took a hiatus. I traveled to to um to Europe. I traveled to uh to Asia. I just wanted to travel and figure out what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. I was like, I'm gonna come back, I'm gonna open a barbershop. I'm gonna have white t-shirts in there, I'm gonna have video games in there, I'm gonna have Air Force Ones in there. I'm pretty much gonna have a one-stop concierge thing, like almost if he was in a hotel lobby, you come down there, you come out from a show, Atlanta, wherever, you're gonna get a white tee, you're gonna get a crispy pair of fucking shoes, get your hair cut, get a shave, and maybe some other shit like books, knickknacks, whatever. I was like, man, I ain't doing that shit. You know what I mean? Like, this is too much to run, blah, blah. So me and my cousin had a sit down. And he was like, man, just come fuck with me. You know, see what you could do. And I was like, at that point, I had made my money. And so I said, the only way this is going to work is if you let me buy everything I want to buy in the store. Mm-hmm. And I own half the store. So he goes, you can't do that because I have my dad. So we came in 33, 33, 33. We came in 33 and a third. 30, so we all three-way split. And I came in. That week, my man Lulu had brought uh, Pusha and, and uh, um, Malice in, mm-hmm. and I made I made uh, they had this gang gangster dude I used to be with a legendary dude from Virginia. His name was Jeezy, and uh, you know I made some joy for Jeezy, and then um, started making some joy for Pusha T and them. Made a clips chain, then like two weeks later, I made Mariah Carey's chain, and then I started fucking with BMF. And then I just started, and then Jacob went to jail. And there was many chains with you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, and then um, Jacob went to jail. When he went to jail, we became the plug. So, you know, it was just being history. But, you know, it was, it was, it was uh, about relationships. I had already been in the music business. I knew how to deal with artists. I knew how to talk to. I've never been starstruck in my entire life. Only two times. I won't talk about this here because I did it on the Breakfast Club. That was Prince and that was Michael Jackson. I never worked with Prince. but the jury for Michael Jackson? Michael Jackson. Last year he lived. I did um, almost 13 pieces of jewelry, uh, mostly brooches and a, and a 50-carat uh, belt buckle. 50-carat belt buckle. Yeah. He, he was wearing $40,000 pins, a brooch, you know, like a little pin on his, on his mm-hmm. fucking blazer. If you watch This Is It, you'll see a thing. And I'm like, it was like MJ, his logo, in rubies. And then there'd be like a unicorn through it. And I was like... We're trying to figure out how to make it light because it was so heavy and it'll come off. And he's like, it's coming off. I'm like, Michael, it's gold. It's heavy. Like, this thing is big. And he goes, okay, well, I'm like, your jacket is stupid light. And he goes, it's not stupid. 
I'm like, it's, <laughs> it's light. Tell though. him, Mike. You know, like they told me some crazy. Don't call ass. Mike Jack. Don't stupid, talk, listen, I got a tattoo of Michael Jackson on me. Don't yeah, no no, some, no Mike on. Jack slander. I either. idolized him. Come on, <laughs> that was part of the reason why I wanted to moonwalk and shit like that. Like yes. it was, mm-hmm. but you know, it was. Uh, I got. I've got. I've worked with some amazing people, and um, it's been. It's been. You know, I, I've had a flourishing career. You know, I think now. Um, I look back and like. I don't really care about going and get the hottest clothes. Um, the kicks are kind of like sponsored, you know. So, um, and I know the cars is something a problem, but now I'm even not even really tripping on the cars so How much. How many cars man. you got? Your only man. problem? Yeah, I got six cars, man. So, you um, know, what are they? Um, I got a, a Bentley Flying Spur, but they only made four in the world. Um, mm. I got a Range Rover Autobiography Supercharged. How many of those they made? Are they supercharged autobiographies. How many of those they Anytime made? Anytime I turn around, there's something else with the range. I thought yeah. the autobiography was it. He just says supercharged autobiography. It's autobiography supercharged. I got um I got an X5M outside. It's got 700 horsepower. It's my daily driver. It's something because I used to have a Prius. Because if you have a million dollars in jewelry and a Prius, you never get robbed. But you and a fucking Rolls Royce, they kind of maybe think, oh, that's Ben Ball. That's his Rolls Royce. Yeah. I'm doing heavy deals. I'm doing it in a different car. Yeah, you know? of course. So this car's fast. You know, I could carry a lot of guns in it, whatever. Mm-hmm. It's my other car. Um, I got a 69 Chevelle SS Classic. I got a Ferrari 48 GTB. And then I got another little project car. Uh, it's an old classic BMW M3 I'm building right now. Mm. But um, I'm about to get rid of, I got I got a Rolls Royce Dawn coming like in the next week, a uh, convertible Ghost. Rolls Royce Dawn? Yeah, it's the new convertible. Uh, it's the Wraith, but the drop top version. Oh, man, that's beautiful. But You know I need a Wraith bad. So to be real with you, all I need right now is a haircut and a rave. I'm about, to, I'm about to flip you like good. three or four of the cars and just keep it back to regular because, um, I, you know what? I don't know, man. It's just you did it. I'm just really about my kids right now. That's it. Mm-hmm. You know, How many all, kids you got? I got two kids. But most of my friends are kids or in high school. You know what I'm saying? Two of my boys are younger than me are grandparents. So my life is just focused on the kids. You know what I'm saying? I'm just, that's it. I ain't mad at you. What about the rumors about you you being um, fake watch buster? <laughs> <laughs> Let me pull my watch Because they said it was you. It's not me. I even said it was you. I said, that's Ben Boiler. <laughs> you know what? Charlemagne thought it was me. Um, Soldier Boy thought it was me. And he was, the fucked up part about it was Soldier is one of my clients. Mm-hmm. So he had spent some bread with me. And I seen the pieces that he bought before. He actually has all his jewelry. I don't know why he doesn't show that. It's just weird. Like legendary shit, like the Lamborghini, that 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 the road control car. Like mm-hmm. you know, and so he was real mad at me because, you know, fake watch buster went at him the worst. Like killed him. Was the watch fake though? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. But okay. you know, I'm just Valid saying like then. Uh-huh. But you know what I said? He he busted a billionaire. He busted Mohammed Hadid. You know, yeah. the dude owns the Ritz Carlton. He built, you know, and it was funny because some of these cats don't know because if you gift somebody a watch. But another thing, too, is I don't I don't really care. I mean, I, I care to a certain extent. Like, I won't let my homies rocks on the fake, especially if they got paper. Yeah, yeah. You know, there's no need for that. But, like, sometimes I understand it. Sometimes I don't. Like, when we go to, like, a third world country and I'll go somewhere, like, where it's kind of fucked up, people don't understand. I don't give a fuck if you're the biggest gangbanger in the earth. You could be the biggest crip, biggest vice lord, the biggest blood. And be in the worst hood. You could be in East St. Louis. You could be in Detroit. You could be in Cleveland. You could be in Nickerson Gardens. It don't matter until you end up in a place where 17 cents is a month's salary. And you end up somewhere. And you're like, this motherfucker's house was made out of leaves? Mm. Like leaves. Leaves from from plants, like from a tree. Like I see poverty to a certain level, Ted. 
that that shit don't mean nothing. Like, I see it to the worst levels to where they're not gangs. They're maybe getting together to come kill you because you have something, you know. So for a certain point in time, I was having my wife where all the jewelry that I made her, I replicated in, in Cuba's Conias because just in case she got got, don't worry about it. Then I said, you know what? Fuck all that. How about just don't wear any jewelry? I had, you know? I had read somewhere that they was like royalty to like doesn't wear real jewelry out. Like they keep it in safes and mm-hmm. wear replicas or yeah. some shit like that. Well, I heard about it through someone I know that was, um, I can't say, but when I heard that, I said, that's fucking genius. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I'm saying? Like if that situation happened, I could, I mean, and if I want to, I can make it look 94% to a jeweler's eye. To an average cat, like, y'all y'all would think it was fucking real, mm-hmm. straight up. Now, I would never do that because we don't fuck around like that. Mm-hmm. People try to call me out here and there. And just, and most of the time, people are like, yo, why do you reply back? I'm like, because I just want to make them feel dumb. But now I realize it's not making them feel dumb. They get happy that they got a reply from me. And they I'm just like, wanted a response. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'm just like, That's yo. You. Sometimes you got to make people's day. I do that. Yeah. And I'm just like, really, man? Like, I called a dude the other day. I said, man, you got to be the dumbest fucking person on earth. You should kill yourself in the next 30 minutes. And he favorited it. And he said, man. This is the best fucking day of my life. I'm like, That's I can't believe That's all he wanted, yes. man. Yeah, it's true. It's happened here. a couple times. I respond to dudes that crazy shit. And they just like, yo, Tax, I love your podcast. Yeah. I'm like, really? I started listening to your shit, and I was like, yo, this motherfucker is. And I saw your tweets a couple times, and there's some dudes on my timeline that don't like you. Yeah. And they're like, man, fuck that. No, talk to him. Fuck that motherfucker. Backstabber, blah, blah. And I was like, what the fuck? And I was like, I was like, his podcast he don't talk wait a second hold on then i went to your twitter and seen you get reckless on some people and i was like oh okay and they're like yeah but like some you know people- it is like my tweets like the same way i'm talking right now is my tweets yeah it's just that yeah. i think is how i word things it, it, listen it, the easiest way the to context. misinterpret someone the easiest way to have misinterpretation is via text email or some kind of a yeah. you know, typing because you, you don't know what your face look like emotion yeah the and you don't know the context of it and yeah the, the context the energy behind it the energy yeah. I agree, because I say some wild shit, and people be like, yo, boom, blah, blah. Like, what makes you an expert on black people? I'm like, who the fuck ever said I'm an expert on fucking black people? Like, <laughs> right. Do you know what I mean? I'm just, just wrote some shit. It's yeah. just hip-hop culture. Yeah. You know, I yeah. grew up in it from day one. I'm not saying I'm the... I can't talk about fucking people's oppression mm-hmm. and, you know, being a slave or having this and having racism. And I'd see it. You know, I see it, I've seen it a million times. Mm-hmm. But, like, I said the other day... I was in a convertible, in a convertible Benz, and we was driving through Beverly Hills. And my boy got pulled over, and he just got his big-ass check. So he went and went to 310 Motoring and dropped, like, 150 on, on a Benz drop top. The cop pulled us over and said, on the loudspeaker, I couldn't believe this, 2006, he said, get out of the car and, word, Nigger. loud. No, not, he said, what on the speaker? Nigger. And then I was like, I looked at him, I was like, get out the car, man. <laughs> Talking to and you, he, Nick. He was, he, was, he, was, he was like, boom. <laughs> I heard that. I thought it was over. The crazy part was, as soon as he got out the car, he said, come back with your hands or anything else. Put on a thing. He started looking at me. What the fuck? And I was like, I don't know. And he's like, you too. Nigger. Er. <laughs> and, and then he looked at me. He's like, see, you want to be a nigga all the time. You think it's cool. I was like, I had a shaved head, gold chain, a white T-shirt on. Mm-hmm. He thought I was, so I was like, I turned around like this because I don't want him to shoot or nothing. I turned around. Like, yeah. What are you talking about? And I got out and he was like, I looked at him and, and I was I was like, what did you just say? He goes, shut the fuck up. That's what I just said. And I was like, oh, wow. Yeah. And he just saw the tattoos and everything. And he just fucking, he couldn't write us up for anything. 
Wow. He just want to check all our shit. I was like, that's against the law, man. Yeah. I was like, I got racial a profile. Attorney. I was like, I'm rich now. Fuck you. And he was like, what'd you say? And I was like, nothing, man. Nothing. You know, I'm going to ask like, you, man, what jewel out there makes the fakest jury? Because it got to be somebody. Somebody's getting supplied by somebody. Yeah. Fuck. What, what the fuck is his name? Is I blocked him. Is he in LA? <laughs> is I that blo- bad? No, because no, he was fucking stealing a bunch of shit. Dude, did you ever see? Okay, I made Tyler the Creator a crazy ass chain. I made Tyler the Creator a sick chain. I made him a few crazy chains, right? This motherfucker in China, sorry, he had to be Chinese, remade the chain in fake stones. The cherry bomb. You saw that? Mm-hmm. You saw this fake ass shit? And I showed Tyler. I'm like, how the fuck? Hold on, who the they gonna replicate it and, and, and mass distribute that shit. That's I forgot him? if his name was Ice Jewelers or Ice Diamond or not Icebox. Oh, no, not Icebox. Come on, I know them. They in town in right Atlanta. now. Mo, Atlanta, ATL, Mo's oh, okay. People's. They um, tried to play me one time. They tried to play you. You, know, you always get really... the beef with these people. No, no, no. He, I came into a shop. You know how when women bring a car into a shop, there's certain places women go, and a man sees that, and he tried to take advantage. I was try, trying to come in and get some dog tags for my husband one year for um, Christmas. And he tried to tax me like three times the price. And I just, you know, I didn't say nothing to him. I just oh. said, oh, okay, thank you. And I walked out like, like nigga, what? Oh, he just like, oh, she's a woman. Let me yeah. let me charge her um, yeah, he tried 9000 for oil change. <laughs> and, I came, and I came referred from some people that he knew. So I just felt like, you know, I didn't say nothing That's to him. That's what happened. He said, yeah, she's rich. Yeah. Charge her top dollar. <laughs> I can't find it because... 300,000 people tagged the Black China Rob Kardashian ring I made, so I'm trying to find it because he tagged. Oh, he hashtagged my name but blocked me too after I blocked him, but he keeps hashtagging my fucking name and You know what jewelry. I do? I have that block, so anytime somebody tags a picture of me, I have to approve it. I don't just no, let no, anybody no. tag hashtag. it. Hashtag. Oh, hashtag. hashtag. Oh, yeah, you can't But I have so much that. fucking of this Rob Kardashian uh, thing, so it's like... Fuck, I can't think of his it. name. It's Ice... Yeah, Shout yeah. out to Rob. I just DM Rob and told him, let me get an interview. That motherfucker ain't answered me back yet. You know, he's, 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 at least he's back, you know, back to being Rob again. I'm, I'm just happy to see my boy back to, you know. Yeah. I'm what happened around. to him? No, you know, he just, he, yeah, you know, he went through his little, you know, whatever his little went shit. Went through his little depression stage. You know, how you that know shit he goes. gained some weight and, and I fuck with him regardless. He knew it and he just said, even though you knew, I just didn't want you to see me like that. Mm. And, um, my wife was like, you know, come over, you know, whatever, hang out with the kids. You always more to welcome, but, um, he didn't want to, but dude is glowing like happy as fuck, okay. super and for real in love. And like, it's a little awkward because, you know, Tiger's one of my clients. I've known Tiger forever. I made his first chain and like that situation and all this. I mean, it is business in certain ways, but at the same time, like Rob has been. So that was real? Like he really is going through depression with the weight and stuff? I don't know if it's to the weight. I mean, just, you know, oh. I, I mean, he was just going through his issues. I, I, don't, I don't really want to say depression. I just, oh, okay. he was going through his thing, you know. Yeah, I mean, it's a lot of pressure. He's the only Being dude. A Kardashian. In, he was the only dude in the house. And now it is dad doing the change, you know what I mean? Or his that, stepdad, I'm sorry. I thought that yeah. might have been what happened. Like your, no, your no, father was, turned it was, into a woman. It was, I was talking to him during that whole process. It was just, it was, it was, cool. was, it was before that. Oh, okay. Right. You know. As long as he good now, he good. You got a, got a baby baby on the way. And it's so funny, mm-hmm. man. You know I mean? like, one of my boys left a fucking most embarrassed. One of the first, thank God, is 60,000 comments on there. <laughs> but like one of, the, one of my boys, like yeah, a decent dude, successful, makes it. And he said, man, I fucked the shit out of... And I was like, yo, that's my boy's fiance. <laughs> what are you I can't doing, believe you just dog? said that, bro. Like, the fuck is wrong with Those you? are compliments these days. Yeah, you just got to understand that somebody going to fuck the shit out your girl. You right. know what I mean? You just got to appreciate it. You made a motherfucking diamond vest for Prince. I didn't make that. Someone else... The, 
Alexander Graff made it. They're the, 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 the top of the top. Like uh-huh. I'm on some. I'm I'm low level hood shit. I when still it comes feel to, poor around you. Just when so it you comes know. to when it comes to custom jewelry, mm-hmm. I'm definitely the I'm, the I'm the most followed in the world. I'm the most known. They say whatever. Blah blah. I took it to a different level. But the thing that I like about it is that I've opened the door for other motherfuckers not coming suits to come out there handle their business. At the end of the day, is the quality good? Because three one zero was selling motherfucking Benzes for at a point. Even though the Italians don't want to hear this, and it's very weird, I'm supposed to. You can't even talk about Ferrari if you own one because they don't want to hear anybody talk about it. At one point, three one zero motoring black folks was selling more Ferraris than three four Ferrari dealerships combined. Mm. It was fucking crazy. Do you remember them days, man? Killing it. So, you know, no matter where I'm at. You know, even though we got a downtown office, I'm a concierge. It's not like Tom Cruise is going to come to my fucking, you know, fucking the hood. I'm saying, like, I opened the door for a lot of cats to be, you know, have tattoos or, or not feel bad about, you know, dressing a certain way or whatever. Just get, just get educated about stones and everything else. You know, some people say, why the fuck are they worth money? You know, blah, blah, whatever. Go research why. Do you know what I'm saying? Because mm-hmm. if it wasn't for gold, I wouldn't have the net worth I have right now because of, you know, certain things. For whatever it may be. Give a fuck what it is, but you know it's it's. You it, just got gold bars laying around somewhere. I don't know if they're laying around, but yeah, they, <laughs> look allegedly. You know, yeah, allegedly that's a good word. Yeah. yeah, but you know, um, when you start to, I just came back from the jewelry convention. I had an event. I spoke in front of some very, you know, upscale, affluent, opulent lifestyle, rich white folks, and you know, I don't have a GA degree. Neither does my cousin. A few of my employees do, but like. I'll run circles around some of these motherfuckers' education because there's dudes at Harvard that can run a business. But that doesn't mean that they can fuck with someone else that has a successful business off just straight, you know, just instinct, being on the mm-hmm. street. I feel like the street was 10 times more valuable than my college education in many ways. Mm-hmm. If you're going to be a doctor or lawyer, I get it. And maybe parts of business understanding, you know, hedge funds and finance, how the fucking fiscal this, that, and everything. Yeah. But I run circles around them. So going to this jewelry trade show... You go upstairs, it's like the magic or gender show and everything. It's like a trade show, and you go there, and there's an area called Luxury, and it's like 50,000 square feet. It's huge, and there's small boots, like boots small, like half of the size of this room. <laughs> you ready for this? There'll be $400 million in diamonds in one small booth, and there'll be like 12 of them that have that much. They'll have one stone, $40 million, mm. sitting there. $40 million, one stone, and you sit there, and you're like, yo. Where is this at again? This was JCK. It happens once a year. In Vegas, <laughs> and um, no one's ever even thought about doing it. They tried. Oh, okay. Trust me, Ocean's Eleven, the whole nine, it's never gonna happen. But that's where, I, that's where I went. Like, wait, what? But um, you know, like when you look at people and be like, all right, well, cool. You got like six mil. You got five mil, four mil, and you're talking about this is a whole different level. But then that's when they're in, they're invested by like you know Russian mob money, fucking like you know like Chinese banks and like yeah. Geneva. It's a different level of the game. There's so many different levels. For what I do, I'm cool. I'm content. I don't think I've even reached my goals yet, but I'm cool. I'm good. You know, I can still go to the hood. I can still go eat. You know, it's a little different now, even though it shouldn't be. But I used to pull up on the hood because I was part of a black motorcycle gang. You know, we was out there riding, acting weird, but I just can't do that anymore. I'm not mm-hmm. because I'm having, I have kids and I have more responsibilities and whatever, but it's not the same anymore. I'm not saying I'm scared. I, I never you really just go, can't drink you, champagne you around too many You're cautious sippers. because you have he children you, too. He never seen me roll in the hood with security ever. I never came around nothing. Never had no problems with nobody. Mm-hmm. Even though I talk shit. I never talk shit to anybody unless they start to me. Except for LeBron. Mm-hmm. I start that shit. Here but, we go. 
you know, and going through the hood. we loop back around to this shit. Now, <laughs> when someone take a picture, I never fucking know now. It could be some random dude. I see squares. That dude at UCLA who killed two people. That motherfucker looked like a nerd. Mm-hmm. I'd have slapped the shit out of that dude. He came to the fucking class and killed mm-hmm. the teacher. And then they went to his house and found his wife was dead in the house. I'm like, yeah. This dude looked like a f- you never know because people want to take pictures. And sometimes I used to search my name, not at Ben Baller. I would just search Ben Space Baller, you know, see what people were talking. I heard a lot of my, oh man, I'm going to kill this motherfucker. I'm going to rob this dude. I'm like, mm-hmm. man, bro. You know, mm-hmm. so I just, I try to be smart about how I move. Even though I was always smart before, I just, I was more lax about it. Cause, nah, you, know, you just got to understand that when you, you get into a certain space that people are envious of or, Jealous. Wish and dream they could be in that yeah. everybody ain't happy with it, period. You know, like, I will say this. I'm not going to any New York concerts for any, for a while. I'm not going to any, like, big shows out here for a while. Um, I just I just, I just, just don't want to be around it, man. How you? How do you feel about the, the state of hip-hop right now um, as far as, as, as a whole? I, I think it's pretty sad, man. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. I think it's sad. I think, I think Who's it's, your favorite artist right now? Ben Baller is thinking. You know what, man? I, th- I think I fuck with Pusha right now, man. Pusha, I'm still fuck with Pusha. I still, I still fuck with his music. I still fuck with his lyrics. Yo, man, I you know with- I been stuck in this nigga music. Like I've been like, cause I, I always listen to the nigga, but I don't know. Like I just keep going back to. Songs like, and I be having to listen because you know I like lyrics. I like right, lyrics, and right. I like he witty shit. shit. Yeah, I love witty shit. I love wit and shit like that. So that's yeah. why I like I like Drake a little bit because he got a little wit. But I've been I've been going back to Pusha shit for like two years now. Yeah, like, now just Pusha, going back to check him. Um, fuck, man. Um, this is sad. That <laughs> he's struggling to think of somebody. You know, I listen to music. Do you know what I mean? I, I have, you know, some future, you know, shit in my car and whatever. And, I, you know, if you go into my car right now, most of it's like 90s R&B and like other hip-hop shit. I can't really, like, a lot of the new shit just doesn't stick. Like, but the Drug Dealers Anonymous, uh, that's just knocking in my in my range, you know. Mm-hmm. And then, But, um... Do you think it has anything to do with the way hip-hop is mass-produced now? Like, because before... I mean, just everything sounds the same. There's a million yeah. rappers, and I feel like, man, I mean, I don't know this... But then again, it's just so many people, and um, it's hard to contain it now. I keep telling people this, man. Before you had to go in an office, and they had to put your music out. Now you, do you just put it right on the internet. If it pop, it pop. If it go, it go. Nobody. But just can because tell it pops no. doesn't mean it's good, though. That's what I'm trying to say. Like, yeah, that too. Let me ask you, honest, a lot of shit pop before. Can I ask you an honest question? Yeah. Will you give me a hundred percent answer? Fact. Mm. Kanye's last album, the most recent one. What you think? I loved it. I didn't. I loved it. <laughs> Okay. I'm not. I, I, I'm it was not. different. See, because like what I expect from Kanye every time is I look at Kanye like an innovator. So I always look for like a new sound, something new coming from him, a new way to deliver the album. And I felt like it was Gucci because it just it had a lot of gospel, you know, music. And me 
personally, I love production. I love good production. That's why I love like Diddy albums, the old Hitman beats and Come shit on, like man. that. Stevie J's my man. Yes. Yeah, like I I love that. I love that good rich. That's why I love American Gangster. But that's why I can't fuck with the Fruity Loops and all the shit and everything. And it's all. The, and I know it's easier and it's but yeah. no one you know that. No, I no still listen to, to that fun. type of music. But when I hear those Everything live instruments insane, and though, that type of gospel and instruments and shit like that and and good voices, then I'd be like, I just sit there and relax. Like, yeah, this is my type of shit. And you don't hear it that much no more. So right. when you do, if you if that's the type of music you like, you're always going to love it. Who do you think's like, just overrated in rap right now? Overrated? Shit, a lot of niggas, like, is overrated. Because you think about it. Like, I want. I, mean? I want to hear a name. Huh? <laughs> what you just oh, say? Shit, I will, but I can't know. I don't know. There's so many <laughs> niggas. I don't think too many niggas is good. Period. Like, I mean, their waves might be good. They might have a following, but it ain't too many. I don't know, man. I'm just gonna accept the fact that I'm old. Then. You know who I like? That that like I did not like at first. I like Young Thug. I didn't yeah. like. I did not I like Young to, Thug. I started to appreciate him when. I actually started to Google his lyrics. <laughs> Look at Big Baller Face. When I started Googling his lyrics, I started to realize that I liked some of the stuff he's saying. I didn't know what he was saying before, and it used to annoy Young me. Thug is a musician that can't sing, man. That's yeah. it. That motherfucker good. I put guitar on my plate. I want to move like to a different country. And, like, I just like Young Thug's sexual content. Now you want to go link up with content. Kim Jong. Oh, my God. <laughs> You know, I'm happy, though, that just cats like YG and, and Kendrick and them coming on the West mm-hmm. and coming heavy man. and coming back. I like I'm Kendrick. His last album's making me tired, though. I like man. it. I'm like, and the nigga he can rap. Like, tired. I listen to the shit, and I'm like, he's spitting, he's going in. But I'm like, this shit is so boring, Kendrick. You could do the same shit over some different beats. You know what I mean? I and think I the production might have been it. That's think, what it was. And that's the part I did like was the production. You love Kendrick. <laughs> I do love. I love Kendrick, Kendrick too. Kendrick I, is dope. Ain't ain't too many niggas. I like that he tries. I don't want to say things. that. I want to put him on another because the motherfucker rap his ass off. You know what I mean? And then I be saying shit like that. Like I get online and I'm like, I don't like this Kendrick album. I got Kendrick fans trying to kill me. I'm like, nigga, I'm a Kendrick fan. I just said I yeah. like this album, motherfucker. Right. Like I don't like certain Jay Z albums, and I love Jay Z. Like what the right. fuck? You is don't wrong have to like you? everything. Yeah, but yeah, I don't know, man. I mean, that, that's one of the okay. When 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 uh, Jonathan told me he want you say, hey, you want to be on the show. I think one of the biggest things I want to talk about was the state of hip hop, but there's not really much I can elaborate on the fact that I just don't like the state that we're in right now. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's um. What do you think is missing? What is it missing exactly? I don't think anyone's really telling um stories. Not telling a story, man. You know, like I yeah. listen to Mob Deep, right? Mm-hmm. And I listen to Trife Life. And the motherfuckers talking about going in the shady motherfuckers trying to get them. They're going over the bridge. They're going to try to do this. And then it's like, you know, kiss your life, goodbye. And it was like a story about going over the bridge. It was like something I, I, I could visualize it Yeah, it, as it, I'm it, listening it, to it. Hip-hop is missing a lot of that. It's just a lot of That's why I like YG, honestly. And, you know, sometimes YG does something. You know, it's funny because it's different because I'm biased because he he's a client of mine. Plus, you know, he put me in his movie and all this other shit. But, um... You know, I, it's it's. I don't know, man. I just that's why, I'm, that's why I have I have fallen off of hip hop completely. And I, mean, I just listen know, to like, R and B now. My shit, I still be... go back to Benny Siegel albums. Like oh my, yeah. God. my shit still go back right back. I to, still um, listen to country grammar, doggy style. Like my my, my mix of listen music is different. Do you want to like, hear something funny? I did not fuck with Bone when they first dropped. 
Oh, I did. But like a little bit later, mm-hmm. like when I listened to Bo's first album, and I was like, God damn, these motherfuckers. What was their first album? 1999? Yeah. Yo, me and my friends man. in college, we used to sit there and listen to that album. Just just keep replaying it over and over back then. I made my aunts listen to that album and, and <laughs> I, at the barbecue, and they end up liking it. That's what's crazy. I'm just saying, like, I remember going and seeing, like, okay, like, when Snoop dropped Doggy Style, the first album, I'm talking about track one to 21. There was Lit. never a skip. Everyone says, oh, no skip. I'm talking about for real. Yeah, you ain't That lying. album was well, motherfucking. Well, back then, it was a... It was a couple good albums where no, it was but like, yeah. but also it's because the 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 market is so saturated. It's we, saturated, we're getting man. so much music. We we're we're, we're greedy about like, it um, and we're we're fancy about it now. What's you the know? kid? Chance the rapper. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't know Chance Coloring the rapper book. was a good rapper. He really is until I heard him on Kanye's okay. album. I met him in the Beverly Center. My boy was gonna manage him, blah blah, whatever. I ended up making a bracelet, whatever. I don't know if if I think he used to follow me and kind of unfollow me on if he's mad about whatever and he's doing his thing now. I still haven't got a chance to listen to his music. Mm-hmm. I listened to Ultra, or uh, what is it called, Waves, whatever. I didn't really like the song, and mm-hmm. you know it's cool. There's some shit on there that I fuck with, and um, but I don't really know too much about dude. But the motherfucker could rap. Going I was back surprised. to going back to music in general, I feel like for a moment, music in general, besides like maybe Adele. I don't feel like like back in the nineties, hits was coming. It was heavy. You know, Whitney would drop an album, boom, bodyguard, fucking out of yeah, control. That's you true. know, Tribe Called Quest drop. You know, Midnight Marauders, game over. It's over. Even when, dog, when Game dropped the documentary, the first album, I was like, bro, documentary was crazy. We are motherfucking. I remember when he performed in New York. You know, love. It's- I was surprised because when I like first heard Game, I felt like he couldn't rap. Like when I first was listening to him, like doing like on Dre shit to like. Um, G-Unit shit, it felt yeah. like he couldn't rap at all to me. It felt like he was just learning and some shit, and then out of nowhere, the nigga just got mad nice. I was like, what the fuck no, happened? I always felt like he, another thing, too, is <laughs> my boy Dougie D, you know, he, um, I mean, Dougie Doug, he, um, he, um, he, he, he molded game with a lot of hip-hop history and, like, all kinds of shit, and it, it you know, he had, he had the culture. Now, I asked the dude, I'm like, yo, man, you heard of uh, BDP? Like, what's that? I'm like, Boogie Down Productions, KRS One. They're like, I dog, I don't know who that is. Yeah. And I'm like, Jesus Christ. Yeah, when you know he stopped making records, the motherfuckers weren't even born yet. So I'm just like, fuck. You know, you don't you don't ever look back like you listen to like a James Brown record, you listen to like Led Zeppelin or something. You don't want to go back to if you want to be a rapper and this is your career, you don't want to go back and study the history of the roots or something, you know? Like when I think of the last five years and I think of albums that more whatever it is that move me. I mean, dog, you know, The weekend, House of Balloons, that first tape, man, I played mm. that shit five yeah. million times. I still times. play that. That motherfucker. He's phenomenal, period. But is that hip-hop? It's not, but what I'm saying, is. though. See is what that, I'm saying? I get confused with it. But, 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 but it's, it's influenced by a lot of hip-hop shit, you know, the mm-hmm. beats and stuff. But I'm just trying to say, like, I can't go back to too much and reference, like, yo, this fucking record. A couple yay records, you mm-hmm. know. I mean, I fuck with, you know, he, he went deep on some things. Um... But fuck, man, and a couple pusher records, you know. What I mean, plus he put my name in a rap on on a uh, suicide, you know, and like see. But uh, but but you know started liking his records yeah, more. Nigga. Huh? Ben, you are a nigga. You I just followed you on Twitter too, baller. by the way. I'm following Miko. I be seeing your tweets. <laughs> 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 you a nigga? This I had no clue ain't shit, you was man. a nigga. Up, I, I felt like you was a nigga from your tweets, but now nah, I know it's it's so Rich Homie Kwan's your favorite new rapper. What else? I don't know who that is. Who is that? 
No, he's a rapper from Rachel Atlanta. Kwan I didn't see the article about him earlier, so I just Young saw Thugs, him. um, like oh, BFF, same? kind oh, okay. of. Are they BFFs? They still cool. I think they got beef or something. Like typical BFFs. Yeah, some shit. It's like you the know, 50 um, and Mayweather shit. There's a couple early albums of ASAPs that I loved. I fucking loved ASAPs. A few albums that he put out. Um, I like the way that that whole mob, uh, how, how Yams, rest in peace, Yams, mm-hmm. how he put together that whole collective. I thought that was fucking brilliant, especially what they're doing in fashion and everything else. And I work with ASAP Heavy. Um, you know, a lot of people think that Tyler's crazy, but I think, in a way, Tyler's genius. Tyler. I love that nigga. I don't know yeah. why I ever loved him, but I always liked him. I'm like, this yeah. motherfucker being himself. I love people as they self, so. Mm-hmm. Nah, if you even knew. I've seen him just doing his own if thing. I'm like, I like this nigga. just come to his house one day and see him talk to his mom, he's fucking crazy. <laughs> I love, I for real would take, maybe take a bullet for that dude. I, he's such a fucking great kid. Um, yeah. But, um. You a nigga. Stop that <laughs> shit, man. God damn. Miko ain't shit. You I just nigga, don't, uh, dog. I, I I don't know, man. Like it's, it's, it's sad, you know. Like, mm-hmm. I, you know, and then, um, like some of these old cats try to put a record out, and I can't really, you know, I don't know. What I old cats mind- you want to stop putting records out? Mm, good question. Who do you think is the time for retire? To retire? You know what though? Can I can I redirect it? Fuck, man. <laughs> when I first got into the hip hop business, and I'm talking about like small time, before like the thing. Fat Joe was making records. To see this shit he's doing now is on some other shit. Phenomenal, I know people right? want to hate, and it's that 46. I man. told him the same shit. He I said, nigga, you are a legend. I had he to like bought, really tell yeah, him this. He bought chains from me. I fuck with dude. Respond to fucking text still. Hits me up. Sends me a message, man. Can you help me promote this? Boom, boom, boom. And, um... You know, that's, that's fucking inspiring, dude. Hell yeah. You know, because... And to continuously do it. Because there was a time when, um, on the radio station, they asked me who was the top five MCs, dead or alive, blah, blah, blah. And I said, listen, I'm talking about in the era of tearing shit up. Some of them not. But, you know, Andre 3000 was up in there. You know, Rakim's in there. But when I said Cube, only the real motherfuckers knew. From 1988 to 19, like, 94, no one... You didn't want to see him. Even Jay-Z would tell you. I remember Jay being the bus... And he had America's Most Wanted CDs in the car playing. You didn't want to fuck with Cube then. But when I hear Cube make a record now, I'm like, fuck, dog. Kill yourself, man. What the fuck? I can't hear this shit, bro. Like, yeah. how do you? You can't just lose it like that, bro. You, yeah, you can't. Now so, you can. No, it absolutely happens, can. man. You're no longer relevant. Jordan no can't longer... get on the court right now and score That's three. Different. That's different. It's <laughs> not. That's a physical thing. This is physical. It is, it's a physical. You're physically you no longer start. in that same air. Like, your life is no longer in the in the aspect of that is, type of How music. come Foreigner, fucking the Eagles, these guys tour for 50 years, 40 years. You know still, why? Because, because they're talking about life things. They talk about life experiences. In hip-hop, we talking about mostly shit that's only generational. True. Mm-hmm. So true, if we rapping in the 80s, you rapped in the 80s and raw bass and all these niggas and Kurt Blow, these niggas talking about coke and, you know what I mean? And yeah. then you get to the 90s, late 80s, 90s, niggas talking about crack and now everything's coke Cars. and now dudes are scammers. It Like, it changes. So, like, it's like... Who the fuck gonna listen to, you know, you talking about smoking woolies in 80-something? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's over for that. Motherfuckers on Molly and Flocka. Yeah. Oh but yeah, God, we yeah. about to motherfucking wrap Jesus up. Christ. Yeah. Motherfucking tax season. Thank you, Ben Baller, Thank for coming through. Thank you so much through. for having me down. I appreciate it, man. Thank you, Miko Grimes. Thank you for having me. And that's tax season. Be safe, though. This episode of Tax Season was produced by Jonathan Menna and executive produced by Chris Morrow. This is an official Loudspeakers Network production.